Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Within the Lines would not be possible without Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and has been how we have made our podcast for over two years now. Anchor has everything we could need to make a podcast. And if you were thinking about starting your own podcast, you definitely should take advantage of their resources. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. We have fancy mics. You don't need a fancy mic to use Anchor. When hosting on Anchor, you can even distribute your podcast to listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Wherever you want to listen to your podcast, Anchor does that work for you. You think me and Tyler are smart enough to figure this stuff out by ourselves? Absolutely not. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And of course, the best part, because me and Tyler are cheapies, Anchor is totally free. Anchor's been great for us. It's been what we have been using. Um, we highly, highly recommend it. And if you were thinking about making a podcast yourself, we encourage you to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Let's get back to the pod. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines. Coming at you on March 27th, 2020. Today we have our fourth and final section on our March Movie Madness Tournament. It is the wild card section. We got a lot of wild cards. We're not tied down to one genre in this section. You might notice we do have like some comedies that might might have could have been in a comedy section. Maybe some, you know, there's no animated or no superhero, so we didn't cross the line there, Ty. Hey man, it's wild card. Anything goes. We'll explain once we get there. And then also, to lighten the mood, we got no sports to talk about, but we decided to bring back America's Favorite segment, that is Trivia Time with Tyler. I got a nice little trivia set up for Tyler, and he's actually, he has stakes in this Trivia Time. I don't know what the stakes are. He's playing for something. All I know is this trivia is related to baseball, and uh, in, in honor of our sad not opening day. Oh, yeah. Day. Yeah. Opening so. day at home. Hashtag. Yeah. Let's get into the show. I don't feel so good. 
Smash! They look up, you can put it on the board, yes! Alrighty, Tyler, it is the fourth and final region of our March Movie Madness. Next week, it'll no longer be Barch, and we'll be doing the final four movie scales for all four movies. Getting down to the end here. So far, we have done comedy movies, determined the greatest comedy of all time. I'm not going to tell you which one, so you got to listen. Oh. Determined the greatest superhero movie of all time. Determined the greatest animated movie of all time, according to us. Now, the greatest wild card movie of all time, which means they maybe could have been in another category. I will, I will say some of these movies are very recent. <laughs> yeah. Maybe some recency bias going on, but that's all right. Some of them aren't, though. Got some old ones. None super old ones, which kind of shows our age. I know, like, if, like... The 90s is, like, forever ago, Jay. But I know there's, like, some all-time great movies in, like, the <laughs> 70s, 80s, like Clockwork Orange, uh, Taxi Driver, stuff like that, that just isn't on this because we didn't watch it. Scarface, stuff like that. So this isn't your traditional greatest movie of all time. It's the Within the Lines greatest movie of all time. Yeah. Basically, cinema started for me in, like, 98. <laughs> so... Greatest movie since then. So the seedings are, oh, by the way, seeded in terms of Rotten Tomato score. So we pick 16 movies and then seed them by that. That way we would not be seeding them ourselves. Rotten Tomato critics, and then as a tiebreaker audience, and then as a second or third tiebreaker Metacritic or some shit. Number one. Whatever. Number (laughs) one seed, Parasite. Recent best picture winner. Just watched the movie about 30 minutes ago. I finished it. (laughs) It's fallen behind. So it's fresh in my mind. We'll talk about that. Number two seed, a movie I recommended to Tyler, Peanut Butter Falcon. We'll talk Again, about that last we get year. There. Number three seed, The Martian. That was about four years ago, I want to say, 2015, 2016. Not as recent. I think 2016. Me and Riley just got together at that point. Number four, Birdman, another Best Picture winner with Michael Keaton and Edward Norton. Let's talk about that. We had Tyler had to watch that one this last week. Yep. Fifth seed, we're looking at 1917. War movie also came out this last year, was a Best Picture nominee. Yep. Number six seed is... Scott Pilgrim versus the world, I want to say. Yeah, I can't tell because it's uh, taking up the whole the whole sheet. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. One of Tyler's uh, all-time favorite movies. Are we on the same sheet? I don't know. Are we? I don't know. just says Scott Pilgrim V on mine. Oh, I'm looking at the rankings on the top. Oh, okay. <laughs> Number seven, Jojo Rabbit. Another Best Picture nominee from this last year. Number eight, Wolf of Wall Street. Best Picture nominee, right? Or did it win the Best Picture? What? Wolf of Wall Street. I don't think it won. I know Leo didn't win Best Actor for it, so that's all I know because his first one was a Revenant, which isn't on here. Spoiler alert. Number nine, Crazy Stupid Love. Tyler's all-time favorite rom-com, potentially. Number ten, Happy Gilmore. And this is where we get into the uh, the comedy slash wild card. We got three Adam Sandler movies on this list. We just considered Adam Sandler a wild card because he's just his own category and upon himself. It's Adam Sandler, man. Number eleven, The Sandlot. Snuck a sports movie in there. Number twelve, Fast and the Furious 1. Tyler is a noted hater of the current sta- status of the Fast and the Furious series, so this is the original. Got to throw it back. Number 13, 50 First Dates, another Sandler movie, rom-com. 14, Space Jam, another uh, sports movie, Michael Jordan. Space Jam 2 coming out next year. 15, Click. I got some things to say about Click. <laughs> and number 16, Law Abiding Citizen, the terrible guilty pleasure that we both have. We both have it, and it's a 16 seed, but it's got some eyes. I want to say that movie's probably rotten. Oh, no, it definitely is. I think it was the worst out of the entire bracket. All right. Let's start. One seed versus 16. 26%. You know what? I'm a save law-abiding <laughs> citizen. We're going to start 215 and work up from there, okay? It's a weird way to do it, but let's do it. Number two seed, Peanut Butter Falcon versus the number 15 seed, 
Click. I'm going to pull up the Rotten Tomato score here. I did not prepare beforehand. Peanut Butter Falcon, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's good. That's real good. Shia LaBeouf, Zach Gottsagen. Yes. I think I nailed that, actually. <laughs> uh, Dakota Fanning, is it? Who's the girl? Now you're asking too out. much of me, bro. Help me out. Help me out. It ain't, it ain't quickly available. Some chick. Versus click. 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Tyler, how do you feel, first and foremost, how do you feel about click? It's Dakota Johnson, not Dakota Fanning. Isn't she the girl from uh, the 50, 50 Shades? I don't know. I saw those movies once, and I just yep, tried to it. wipe my memory clean of those movies. That's fair. I, I've only seen one. I saw the second one without seeing the first one. You just completely missed a huge plot point. I, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Riley wanted to see it in theaters, and I was like, whatever, dog. I'll go see 50, 50 Shades of Grey if we could 50 Shades of Grey afterwards. Oh, baby. <laughs> not forget last week you said her little brother listens to this podcast. <laughs> with his mom who's <laughs> also riley's mom all little right brother peanut butter falcon a story shia labeouf is a he's a guy who's running into trouble just keeps getting into trouble uh i think he burnt spoiler alert he burnt someone's boat was it spoiler alert for all money. of these we're yeah. talking about the movies we're breaking them down spoilers i believe he owed the guy money or something he was just always getting into trouble kind of cross you know burn bridges with everyone in town was kind of running away from town or else he's gonna get his butt kicked doing what he had to do to make a living Comes across a boy with Down syndrome who escaped from his, it was an elderly home they had him stationed at because they didn't have a proper home for him. Yep. Who ran away because he wanted to go to wrestling school up in, down in Florida, down in North Carolina, something like that. Somewhere in the southeast. So it's, it's a Mark Twain, Huckleberry Finn kind of journey. You know, they're they're going, to, he's taking them to wrestling school. They kind of start as, you know, not enemies, but the guy has wants nothing to do with them and then they grow into friends. The girl eventually joins along and then they eventually get to wrestling school. And it's a little bit of a heartbreaker at first because they meet the wrestler and the wrestler's just like kind of a dick about it. Well, he'd been retired for like 10 years. Yeah. And then uh, he came back in character for the the, the kid with Down syndrome. And uh, it was just a very heartfelt story, Ty. It's a fantastic story. Uh, very touching. They had good humor. And it was I said this when I reviewed it a few months ago. It was just a movie I felt something afterwards. Absolutely, dude. Um, super heartwarming. Great story. And it was just this almost like a buddy adventure. Yeah. Uh, you, these two become friends, and you felt like a real connection watching them. And I feel like Shia LaBeouf and the actual guy, because he is an actual person with Down syndrome. Yeah. It wasn't like someone pretending. Yeah. You could tell they're actually friends outside. Yeah. Like, you could tell it was a real thing that you're seeing on screen. Um, it was a weird movie, too, in the sense that it was, like, good enough, I feel like, to be... And I think it did win stuff at Sundance, but it's, like, it was almost good enough to win stuff at Sundance, but not good enough to be, like, Oscar-nominated. And it wasn't. Which is weird, too, because it's our two-seed, and we have uh, multiple movies that were you know, nominated for Best Picture. Under it, yeah. Yeah, and the critics love this movie. It's our second best one. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, It might be one of those things where everyone likes it, because it's, it's just hard for, it's hard for me to imagine someone not liking this movie. Because um, if you do, you're just really picking it apart from like a critical standpoint. Um but I can understand why you wouldn't nominate it for Best Picture at the same time. Because the story is nothing like dynamic. You know, it's kind of like a Huckleberry Finn story, you know. So it's it's just kind of like a heartwarming, turn it on. Feel good. You feel sad about the times right now. Not going to mention why. Um, put on this movie. That's all I got to say. Yeah, absolutely. It's a feel-good story. Um, it's got some sad emotional moments. But overall, you leave it feeling feeling better. 
Yeah, I'm watching. I'm reading the the rotten reviews, and I I don't even understand why they're rotten. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those ones where he's like, "Oh, this movie, you know, explains something, and then gives it like a seven out of ten rotten." <laughs> well, this grades two point five out of four. It feels like it would. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> well, this review says it offers no real surprises. This movie, this review there's says like, it's too like convoluted. There's a couple of surprises. That's just a good story. It's not supposed to be a fucking M. Night Shyamalan twist. This person wrote, Falcon morphs from a charming, funny parable short about overcoming one's disabilities to a large helping of southern fried ridiculousness. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I enjoyed that part of it. I enjoyed the southern fried ridiculousness <laughs> of this movie. Now, this is a tough one for me, Ty, because it's coming up against Click. Click I don't is know, on this list because of you. I don't know if you know my relationship with Click, but prior to Dog's Purpose, I have never cried in a movie more than I cried in Click the first time I watched it. So I did watch it recently. Um, it had been a while. I remember the first time watching it, bawling my eyes out. <laughs> so that's fair. But it had been a while, and I watched it recently. It's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Story of Adam Sandler. He's a bi- he's a businessman, whatever. He gets this remote where he could fast forward, rewind his life, do whatever. And he starts fast forwarding through things that he doesn't want to be a part of. And then it gets to the point where he's like fast forwarding through his whole life. And then he gets, like he can't control the remote anymore. Yeah. So he's like 50 years old at one point And like it gets to the point and then he's like super fat and old and no one likes him anymore. And then I think, doesn't he die? Like fast forward to his own death? Yeah. He has like a heart attack because he's fat and out of shape and old. Yeah. Because when the remote's on fast forward, he's pretty much on cruise control, like not caring about his body and everything. And then he wakes up. He's just sleeping in the bed, bath and beyond. That part was a little Adam Sandler-esque. But, I mean, it wasn't – it was very much implied that it actually happened and then it kind of hit the rewind button. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to fucking suspend disbelief to watch oh, this yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he buys it from a Bed Bath & Beyond in the Way Beyond section. <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts. <laughs> it's like you can tell they're baked as fuck one day just watch, like just looking at stores and like, what if we made a movie about the beyond part of Bed Bath & Beyond? <laughs> like, I've seen the bed. I've seen the bath. We ain't never seen the beyond before. <laughs> um. It's a good movie, man. It made $137 million at the box office. Damn. Compared to, you know, Peanut Butter Falcon, which definitely did not make that much. I had to drive down the hill to see this movie. Yeah, I watched it at home. I didn't even see it in theaters. It doesn't even say on Rotten Tomatoes how much it made, so. Um, I don't know. It was, it was a smaller movie. I know that Peanut Butter Falcon is the better movie, and it's a bit more heartwarming movie. And I do love it. I just, I, I have a special place in my heart for Click, man. But I can't pick, I don't think I could pick against either of these, so I'm just rescinding my vote and letting you be the sole decider <laughs> so for me click is a it's a decent adam sandler movie um there's other ones on here that i think are better okay um some of the jokes don't land for me yeah he bullies the fuck out of that little neighbor kid <laughs> yeah he does <laughs> he a complete asshole um, it was a classic you know 10 year old comedy movie though because like when he pauses and he farts in the guy's face yes, and stuff, like it's just max the first time i watched that movie i was cracking up <laughs> it's very much aimed for children um, <laughs> which is sad because it's a movie i feel like my dad still loves <laughs> that was fine sometimes <laughs> children comedy is uh eternal you know what movie he watched and said was like one of the funniest movies he's ever seen what oh my god hold on i gotta look it up they were i came over one day for dinner and they were watching this and they were like oh yeah uh I think it was, they were looking for like Jojo Rabbit or something, like some good movie. And they were like, oh, that wasn't there. So we got this movie, Playing With Fire with John Cena and Michael. Oh, no. And my dad thought, said it was like the funniest movie he's ever seen and stuff. And I just watched like the last 10 minutes of it. And it looked like such like a low budget movie. Like for having John, all their budget went to John Cena and Keegan-Michael Key. 
Well, even the even the trailers look terrible. It has a twenty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It, <laughs> it looked like a TV movie. You know what I mean? Bombed at the box office. Oh no, it didn't bomb at the box office. It got like twice its budget. That's the John Cena effect right there. That that movie is absolutely aimed. I, I mean, like like six year old kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I haven't seen it. It's a TV movie. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's yeah, not, it, it's not trying to be something it's not, but just the fact that my dad, it's fantastic. <laughs> um, for me, Jason, come on now. This is peanut butter Falcon. <laughs> All right. Clicks. I'm fine a, with that. Clicks a middle of the road movie. It's not bad. Um, it has some funny points. Some racist jokes. Does it? Towards the little Asian kids and the Asian family. See, I don't even remember. I rewatched it about a year and a half ago. Not, nothing too dicey. That's good. Definitely something you couldn't do now. Pro- probably not. But, I mean, it is Adam Sandler, so who cares? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Peanut Butter Falcon, definitely moving You know on. what I'm surprised isn't on this list? Uncut Gems. I think you had it. I don't think I did. I don't know if I did either. Oh. I don't think I did. Show us how we feel about it. You're throwing some, some throwback Adam Sandler. <laughs> I like funny Adam Sandler more than I like serious Adam Sandler. We don't get a lot of serious Adam Sandler, so. Which takes us to the 10th seed versus the 7th seed. 10th seed, Happy Gilmore, a movie that I didn't think I saw and I rewatched a few days ago, and I think I have seen because I remembered a lot of it, versus the 7th seed, Jojo Rabbit. So, you enjoy golf. I do. I am an avid golfer. You enjoy Adam Sandler. I do, to an extent. I don't know how the fuck you've never seen this movie start to finish before now. I don't know either, dude. (laughs) I don't know. I thoroughly enjoy this movie. There's actually a lot of Adam Sandler I haven't seen. I haven't seen uh, Big Daddy. Great movie. Haven't seen... It's got the kids from Sweet Life. Um, really? Yeah, the twins, but they play one character. Oh, shit. I didn't know that was them. Yeah. Uh, I saw it a long time ago. It's been a long time. Happy Madison, I think it's called. Or not Happy Madison. Billy Madison. <laughs> I was like, you, you're doing Happy <laughs> Gilmore and Billy Madison together there. Um, Billy Madison, funny movie. There's a few I haven't seen. We didn't put one. the Water Boy on here. I think I might have had Water Boy on my thing for comedies, maybe. I definitely remember writing Water Boy. That's a miss. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> against okay, so Happy Gilmore, sixty-one percent, eighty-five audience score against Jojo Rabbit, which I'm surprised to say has an eighty percent only, ninety-four audience score. That's surprisingly low. Yeah, I think we talked about this before. I don't though. know if it's just people immediately reacting to they're making Hitler funny. Yeah. Oh, I think we talked about this. Yeah, it's pretty much all the rotten reviews were people saying that their satire of Hitler didn't hit and it just became more of a glorification. Yeah. But I kind of feel like if you go into the movie with that in mind... That's what you're going to get. Yeah. And I think that's just people who had the mindset of, he shouldn't have made this movie, went and watched it and said, he shouldn't have made this movie. Yeah. Directed by Taika Waititi, who also plays Hitler, starring Scarlett Johansson, um, the kid. We talked about him before. I don't know his name. Roman... Roman something. So Jojo Rabbit. I don't want to talk about it too much because we did talk about it, you know, just a few weeks ago. I think we did a full review on it, didn't we? Yeah. It's Roman Griffin Davis. It's a good movie. I will say, I think I said this, I felt a little disappointed just a little bit when I watched it. I thought it'd be funnier. I didn't realize it was like a, I went into it thinking it was a comedy and it was like kind of a drama, a dramedy. I think it really deserves to be in this wild card as opposed to our comedy bracket. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was just a little disappointed in that front, but I thought Skojo did a great job. I thought the kid did a great job. Taika did a great job. And it's, it's definitely a movie I can't complain about in any shape or form. Yeah. Sam Rockwell also did a good job. Is it a movie where I'm going to turn it on again? You know me? Probably not. I definitely will. So (laughs) 
You just got to close your eyes and hear Taika as Korg, and you'll turn it on. <laughs> Versus Happy Gilmore, which it was, it had some funny moments. Um, a lot of ridiculous Adam Sandler, you know, the crocodile ate the guy's hand. And, <laughs> um, just ridiculous stuff. Uh, it's prime Adam Sandler. It, it is. Uh, Shooter McGrath, Gavin is great in it. Whoever plays him. Christopher McDonald. He he did a great job, Scooter Mc, uh, Shooter McGavin. Just like an all-time villain. Oh, like absolutely. You're just, just complete dick the entire time. <laughs> and it's great. Um, Sandler did fine. The girl did fine. Uh, the little Ben Stiller subplot, <laughs> that was probably like my one of my favorite parts of the movie. Just how he's a total dick to all the nursing home ladies. He's all super nice on the phone and everything. He's like, well, you better get back in there and start sewing. She's <laughs> a complete asshole. <laughs> Um, how is this like super early Ben Stiller? Uh, Happy Gilmore '96. I'm trying to see like what if he was in any big oh, ben, movies. Ben Stiller. Yeah, he didn't really have any big movies before this. It was Happy Gilmore, and then when was what was his first big movie? Zoolander 2001. Meet the Parents. Meet the Parents. Underrated movie. tie. Have you watched the Meet the Parents franchise? Uh, yeah. That's definitely, we talked about an idea where, um, just kind of like dumb movies to watch during quarantine, like not necessarily critically acclaimed, something to shut your brain off. Th- that would be on my list. Probably going to do that at some point. That's going to be on the list. It's just the whole Meet the Fockers series. Yeah. Robert De Niro's hilarious in those. It's, he reminds me of a uh, Grandpa Dave kind of. <laughs> <laughs> that is something only like five listeners will get, but that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, Happy Gilmore. It wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. It definitely... You know, it was funny to an extent. It was ridiculous. It was an Adam Sandler movie. What what can you expect? It was prime like '90s Adam Sandler. Um, just his boss and like the nail, yeah, <laughs> shot in the head. Um, playing it where it lies off the dude's foot. Yeah, that's the, the same guy. That's yeah, his yeah, boss. yeah. And then the uh, the ending where it's like the mini golf thing where the tower falls. And he's like, oh, you you gotta play. <laughs> so ridiculous. This <laughs> is all the terrible. I love it's, the ter- intentional terrible cuts well, too. Yeah. Like the stupid, he hits the golf ball and then it's like a camera panning over a town. <laughs> and just, it's just so ridiculous. The scene where the guy literally drives on the golf course and runs him over <laughs> like while he's walking down the fairway and then he just continues to play around a golf. <laughs> uh, the Bob Barker fight scene. Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. It's got funny, it's got some funny bits into it for sure. It's so ridiculous, man. Uh-huh. Um, Sitting here though, my vote's Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, I'd probably vote Jojo Rabbit as well. I think Happy Gilmore, I think I would vote against a handful of movies in the first round for sure, um, but not Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. I wouldn't vote for it against Click, though, that's for sure. <laughs> I would. Click was on this list for you, and I gave it a chance. <laughs> uh, going on to our next matchup here, Jason, the number three seed, The Martian, starring yes. Mr. Matt Damon. Yes. Um, and the number 14 seed, Space Jam. Martian's another movie we talked about recently. I think it was on our all-decades list. Uh, yep. Great movie. Scientifically sound for the most part, at least as much as my little brain knows. I think Neil deGrasse Tyson, they did a, a Cinema Sins with Neil deGrasse Tyson where he, like, sinned all the movies and stuff, and or sinned all, you know, sinned the movie. But even he said, I think it's pretty scientifically accurate. Um, just a man getting stranded on Mars. Using, using his big old brain to survive. Versus Space Jam, which is about Michael Jordan... Which is about NBA players getting their talent sucked away from the Monstars. And Michael Jordan's got to team up with Bugs Bunny and the gang to uh, beat them and give them their powers back. 
little bit of Michael Jordan baseball in here. Oh, yeah. Minor mm. League White Sox player. I will be honest, Ty. It's been a while since I've seen Michael Jordan. Why did he play that? Like, was he risking anything in the game? Like, if he lost, was he going to get his powers taken from him too? No. I don't know. It was just Michael Jordan. I think it was just like, hey, you're Michael Jordan. Help us. It was <laughs> like, hey, I'm Michael Jordan. I'll help you. And I'm pretty sure they had the whole, like, oh, I've walked away from the game dynamic because he was playing baseball at the time. Am I yeah. wrong about that? Probably. He had some of his secret stuff. Oh, yeah. With the the water bottle. It's just water. I had Riley watch this on a plane flight to when we flew to New York because she had never seen it. It's got a 43% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not a great movie. No. No, it's not. In terms of uh, score. It's an iconic sports movie, though. How do you think Space Jam 2 is going to be? Not good. You don't think so? I think the Looney Tunes are not mainstream for kids right now. Yeah. Um, so I think those aren't going to play very well. And I think the animated live action stuff isn't going to look great because they either go too far and do like Sonic where it like looks like an actual Bugs Bunny, which I think will look weird. Yeah. Um, they have to, they, they can't go too far. They have to do like this, like the actual, they're just interacting with the cartoons. Yeah. But I, I don't know if they would do that. I don't know if they're going to just rehash the story. There's a little brawn playing against the Monstars. Okay, what's the odds? What's the percentage chance of Michael Jordan being in Space Jam 2 in some capacity? What if what if Michael Jordan goes to the dark side and leads the Monstars against Jordan and the Looney Tunes? Against, against LeBron and the Looney Tunes. That'd be pretty crazy. That'd be pretty fucking awesome. They stole Michael Jower- Jordan's powers. I don't know if Michael Jordan would be in the movie to be a bad guy. That would hurt his brand. I mean... Or he could be in the movie, then he can come out with like new Space Jam 2 shoes and make millions of dollars off absolutely. of that. Absolutely. Space Jam Jordans? I think he'll probably be in the movie in some capacity. He has to be. Maybe. Maybe not. Or what's the percentage chance of there being a Kobe tribute of some kind in the movie? Very little. You think so? Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's marketed towards kids. You, no, it, just like a subtle nod. I'm, maybe. Maybe at the beginning. I, you could. What if they're just the beginning of the movie before it starts? It's just like in memoriam of Kobe Bryant. No, I don't think they do that. I'm, I'm giving it like a 10%. Wow. Over under two hundred million at the box office. Over two hundred thirty million dollars. That's the Michael Jordan effect. How much do you think Space Jam Two makes? Do you think it makes two hundred million? A quarter like, of a billion? Like five. You think so? I think it's gonna make stupid money. I'm probably gonna go see it. I'll go see it. It'll be a terrible movie. And I'm gonna go see LeBron in Space Jam Two. Versus The Martian. Holy fuck! What a lot of money? Six hundred and thirty point two million dollars box office. That's my Damon effect right there. That I'm actually very surprised about because I always thought this movie was kind of like one of those like critically acclaimed movies that people didn't go see. Oh, no, it, it, it was pretty decently popular. But I guess it is a space movie, especially because we had that run from like 2014 to 2016. Like Interstellar, Gravity, Ad Astra. I think that one's new, actually. Yeah, that was last year. Yeah. Um, did not do as good as the other ones, though. <laughs> oh, no, those ones fucking bank. So what do you think of Ty? Um, I'm thinking uh, Martian was one of our top movies of the decade. And it's a great film, and Space Jam's not. <laughs> I agree. Martian's moving on. <laughs> we tried throwing some sports in here, and uh, it's yeah. not going to beat the Martian. But a sports movie that might beat its first-round matchup tie. The 11th-seeded The Sandlot versus the 6th-seeded Scott Pilgrim versus The World tie. Hmm. Now, Jason, this is your first time watching Scott Pilgrim versus The World. It is. Discuss. I almost don't want to. I feel like you're going to like hate me if 
I say anything negative. So Riley said you were you were questioning it the entire time, which sounds like you were closed minded going into the movie. I was not questioning it the entire time. I had questions early on. <laughs> okay, what did you think, of Scott Pilgrim? Well, my first question, the question I had early on, is because like the movie seemed kind of realistic, kind of in the beginning, like the first act. Like obviously they had the weird cuts and everything, but then like the fight scenes, I was just confused. It was. I actually think it's like some like almost like a comic book. It is. That's movie? what Riley told me. She said it's a comic book, and I was like, "Oh well, if it's a comic book movie, I can just shut off my mind and just accept everything." And that's what you have to do. It's very much uh, played up for like an artistic way. Like he goes to the bathroom, he's got the pee meter. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, your Amazon package here." And it's like, "Oh, is Scott here," and he jumps out the window. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, I just left." <laughs> um, I will say, if it's okay to turn your brain off and just accept it in this movie, how come it's not okay to just accept it in the new Fast and the Furious movies? Oh no, fuck those. That's movies. just a question. That's because this is very much meant to be a story with comic booky, look cool, overdone action sequences. Intentionally. Isn't that what Fast No, Fast and the Furious was overdone was supposed to be realistic and they try and make it seem realistic. It blossomed. No, it didn't. It blossomed into a better product. No, it didn't. Um but Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, I don't think it was a bad movie. I definitely uh didn't like it, I think, as much as you did. I was surprised to see Chris Evans in it. That was probably the biggest shock for me. <laughs> we discussed that. We definitely discussed that. Probably, when I was talking but about I, Chris Evans this decade. I probably forgot. <laughs> um, it was fine. I just think the style of it and the music, how it works with everything. Yeah, so enjoyable to watch. It's so rewatchable. <sighs> Up against the Sandlot. I like the Sandlot. Sandlot. I would say most people's favorite baseball movie growing up. Yeah, it's kind of gotten so overrated. Well, not even so overrated. It's just underrated. I think it just got a little overrated. I wouldn't say it's my favorite baseball movie. What's your favorite baseball movie? Probably Moneyball, which I don't don't know how we didn't include in this. Because I haven't seen it in forever. Oh. <laughs> I could have watched it. Probably should have. Probably Moneyball, though. Yeah. That's fair. But the Sandlot, I mean, it's it's an iconic tale. You know, you got Squints kissing the, the lifeguard in the pool, pretending to drown. You have them take it, chewing the, the, you know, the chewing tobacco, throwing up after going on the Tilt-A-Whirl. You got the home run over the fence, the Babe Ruth ball. They got to go get it. Kid not knowing Babe Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Every girl's crush in like the 90s. I don't know when this movie came out. 93. It's like the treehouse scene of them trying to get the ball out of the yard. Yeah. It's just, it's a good movie. It's definitely something I related to growing up playing wiffle ball and hitting the balls over the fence often. Oh, we had to jump the fence so fucking much. Yeah, but it even though we would jump the fence, it's it was kind of like we didn't really want to. And there was definitely an age where we like didn't. Like when we first started playing wiffle ball, like fifth grade, you know, we didn't jump the fence that much. So it's a, it's a timeless movie. What do you think, though? I already know what your vote is, though. I think we both know what my vote is. And I will say Sandlot is an iconic movie, but it doesn't blow me away. I've actually never loved it. Okay. Um, I think it's good. It's baseball. It's entertaining. It's funny. Yeah. But it's that's it. Yeah, it's more remembered for being iconic than I guess necessarily being a great movie it's got some good lines yeah but the sequels are terrible i don't know if you've ever seen the sequels i've seen one of them i think i saw (laughs) sandlot 2 there's like four of them is there really there's a lot of sandlots dude like they just they milked everything they could out of it i believe it they made one 2007 oh my god when the sandlot when did it come out heading home it actually got a pretty decent review 93 yeah, 2007, Sandlot, Heading Home. 
Successful arrogant baseball superstar Tommy Santa Santarelli of the Los Angeles Dodgers is knocked unconscious by a wild pitch after being blinded by a mistakenly launched fireworks display and wakes up to all of his childhood friends in the year 1976. Tommy, I guess, and then they play. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. This Went, is uh, a, straight to DVD. <laughs> this is Scott Pilgrim for me. Yeah, I'll give it to Scott Pilgrim, but I will say, Ty, I definitely did not like Scott Pilgrim as much as you like it. And I think you just saw it at a certain time in your life where it really appealed to you based on the style it was filmed and just kind of like the comic book, booky kind of video gamey kind of way. Whereas me, you know, I've seen other things in my life. I'm an adult now. It just doesn't hold the same <laughs> first time watching it appeal as it might have when I was 10 to 12 years old. You could not be more wrong. I hated this movie. Really? Yeah, my dad used to watch it all the time. It was my dad's favorite movie. And we got him the DVD, and he literally would play it nonstop. I thought that's why you liked it. And I couldn't stand it. And then I've seen it so many times that it's just grown on me over the years. And I love it now. So what you're saying is I need to watch it 20 more times, yes. and then I'll like it as much as you? Yes. <laughs> you just need to keep watching it. And it's just it's a thoroughly entertaining, good movie. Next up, four-seated Birdman, starring Michael Keaton, Edward Norton, versus the third. Emma Stone. Versus the 13th seeded 50 First Dates. So I know you like 50 First Dates. I know that's your mom's favorite movie, actually. I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, I think it's my parents' favorite movie. So, you know, just saying I know a lot about your parents. Um, <laughs> but you did have to watch Birdman the last week. I did. Um, first time watching it. I watched it about three, four months ago. Just what would you think, Ty? It, uh, it was good. I think it kind of lost me at certain points. Okay. But I think... Overall, the artistic nature of it, and the overall story was pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, I was expecting a little more, I'll be honest, but it wasn't bad at all. Yeah. I liked a lot of the scenes, the the one shot of it. Um, I mean, we'll discuss later, but I didn't like it in this movie. Really? Yeah. It's almost like I was like waiting for them to do something more. Yeah. I could see that, and when I told you about it i felt the same way like there were certain parts where uh i just felt a little bored in this movie yeah um the ending riley didn't like i actually thought it was quite a good ending because it kind of left open for interpretation um i think that you know it was just it was a good way to end the movie because you have the whole like oh did he actually die when he shot himself on the stage there's theories online because i looked this was a movie where like i looked up the like the meaning of the ending you know they never revealed it it's like you know some people theorize that he did shoot himself on the stage and it's dead he's dead and that final scene of him in the hospital bed is like his heaven, you know, because the, the girl gives him a good review and his daughter loves him, whatever. You know what I mean? So when he flies away, that's supposed to be like him ascending to heaven. I don't know. Some bullshit. I didn't like the ending, but really? I like that. Yeah, for me, it was like it was very much from his perspective the entire time. Yeah. And like even because I watched it with like, Victoria and she was like, does he actually have superhero like powers? Like, is he actually a superhero in this? And I was like, no, it's like just his perspective of him living in the past. Like, oh, I'm still yeah. a bird man. And then that ending for me was like, okay, she's reacting to it. So it isn't just from his perspective. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, but I, I don't mind that if he actually did die on stage. Yeah. I don't hate that theory. Yeah. The, that improves the ending for me. Yeah. The, the theory is like, yeah, he died. And then that final scene was supposed to be like his like Nirvana or whatever. And that's why he tells like Birdman to fuck off or something. <laughs> like, um, I told you when I watched this, I thought Michael Keaton, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Michael Keaton supporter supporter. I think he was good in this movie definitely played you know this kind of spiraled out of control guy and everything i really liked ed norton in this movie fantastic i told you that i was like i think ed norton should have won the oscar 
even though he's supporting. But I would have voted him before I want, voted Michael Keaton for best, you know, leading. I think in terms of performance, they were both great for me. It's not like Edward Norton was head and shoulders above. I think they both did great. For me, it was the story that lacked not as much the performances. Yeah. I think with Edward Norton, he played more of like an eccentric, like douchebaggy, just like his character was like more, I don't know how to explain this. It's just like more outgoing, I guess. I don't know. It's what you would expect from like a, a douchey actor. Yeah. Like the, the scene where they were doing the preview or whatever, and he was like, oh, did you fucking take my gin or whatever? Starts tearing apart the set. He's like, hey, it's all fucking fake. Like, yeah. Kind of what you would expect. Zach Galifianakis is in it a little bit. He does fine. I was shocked to see him in a serious role. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> Victoria was like, who is that? And I was like, that's a fat guy from The Hangover. <laughs> Versus 50 First Dates. This is another Adam Sandler movie. Not a comedy. Rom-com. Uh, Drew Barrymore. Story of a girl who has a head trauma accident and has short-term memory loss so every day she pretty much forgets what happens the previous day so every day she wakes up she thinks it's the same day her brother and her dad you know pretend the whole time that it's the same day which let me tell you that would be exhausting oh it'd be terrible i told riley if that happened to me like just let me like who cares oh big time big time pull the cord (laughs) um and then adam sandler you know meets her starts dating her she forgets she likes him one day she hates him the next you know and then they kind of come up with this intricate plan where he kind of tells her at the end, like, you know, gives her a video every morning explaining everything. And they always said, you know, they said some days are better than others. Some days she accepts it. Some days she doesn't. But it's it's an interesting movie. Yeah. Definitely has that Adam Sandler suspension of belief in it. Absolutely. Um, Even though I think you could get a similar condition to this. I don't know if it'd be exactly like you forget the one day prior, but. Yeah, I don't think it's like you hit a reset when you go to sleep. Yeah. But I know you can get something similar to this. So yeah. it's somewhat rooted in reality i guess to a point (laughs) (laughs) um i I just think it's a fun it's a fun story where you see this guy try and win over this chick over and over and over again that's another thing i told riley i was like right it was hard enough the first time i don't know if i could do this 100 (laughs) times i don't know if i could do it 50 times (laughs) um there's a lot of good scenes um all the scenes in the little cafe yeah like the waffle house uh like little door and everything um and then those characters like the Hawaiian natives. Yeah. Can't remember their name. Um, Cost the dude peanut butter cup. But that's Adam Sandler. Rob Schneider's good in it. Rob Schneider. <laughs> a great character in this. Rob Schneider is just, he plays every ethnicity you can think of in every movie. Well, he's, I'm surprised he hasn't done blackface yet. <laughs> I'll be honest. He just does everything else. He's done Middle Eastern, Jewish, Hawaiian. Wow. He's played a girl. <laughs> Did you know he was in Norm of the North? He was Norm. I don't know what Norm of the North is. <laughs> Dude, okay, if we want to watch a bad movie, do a movie scale, my nomination is Norm of the North. <laughs> it looks so ridiculous. Me and Riley saw a preview for it in theaters like years ago. It was like 2016, and it looks so bad. And they made a sequel to it. He's a panda in New York. It's a, it's a polar bear. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's in everything, especially uh, Adam Sandler movies. 21% on Metascore. His best movie is probably um, Benchwarmers. I'm also surprised I didn't make it. That's a miss. That is a miss. Benchwarmers, terrible, great movie. That's probably his best movie. That's the one movie they're like, all right, we'll give uh, we'll give Rob Schneider the lead role, and he could be somewhat normal. I think that's probably my favorite baseball movie outside of like yeah. a serious movie. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's either that or Moneyball. <laughs> <laughs> 
But back to Birdman, Fifty First Dates, Ty. When comparing the two, which one are you leaning towards? So I think Fifty First Dates again is a very rewatchable movie. I definitely would put Fifty First Dates on before I'd put Birdman on. I will say that. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Just sitting down to watch a movie, Fifty First Dates every time. Yeah. Um. There's good chemistry between Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. I mean, yeah. they've made, I think, another movie. I know they've done Blended. I don't know if they've done another one after that. I don't know. Um. But the chemistry's there. I like the brother and the dad. The brother character cracks me up. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so it's very watchable. But if we're just being honest, Birdman is the better movie. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a better script. Um. Much better acting. Yeah. More artistic. Yeah. And I mean, it just it just depends, I guess. I don't think this is blowing it away. I think if you don't like Birdman, there's a good chance people just don't like Birdman. Yeah. And give it to Fifty First Dates, you know, just because I'd they don't like Birdman. I'd probably say I might have liked Fifty First Dates more, but just, I don't know. Just Birdman was so... I can't let Fifty First Dates beat Birdman. <laughs> I, I would agree. I can't. I would agree with that. So it's moving on. Moving on to the second round. Next up, our five seed, 1917. Oh, yeah. Best Picture nominee. Did not win. Had a lot of nominees, and I don't think it won very much. Maybe one or two. It won a Best Picture at like, one of the ones right before the Oscars. The Screen Actors Guild? Yeah. It won Cinematography. Well, that doesn't matter. Oscars is all that matters. Well, I think it won the Oscar for Cinematography. Oh. Well, that's what I'm saying. It won one or two, but I know it was nominated for a lot. Yeah. It was a favorite going in yeah. before it got upset, uh, upset by Parasite. And then the, the classic <laughs> Fast and the Furious. Our twelfth seed. So you had to watch nineteen seventeen this last week. Um, I've been raving about it. I did a movie scale on it. I think I'm not sure if I did actually. Um, again, what are your thoughts? I kept asking you how you felt about it. This is the movie I'm most excited to hear how you felt. So, when I was talking about uh, Birdman, mm-hmm. and I was saying the one shot like took me out of it. Yeah, I fucking loved nineteen seventeen. Yeah. Um. The way it was shot, and I mean, they're walking through trenches to just get a letter. Yeah. And it's fucking anxiety-inducing. Yeah. The way it's shot and the music and the score, and they're in such a fucking rush and everything. And it almost felt um, like a story mode in a video game. That Did I use that comparison with you? I don't know if you did, but... Because that's exactly how I feel. It feels exactly <laughs> like a story mode in a video that, game. You where read you, my mind. I was about to say that. <laughs> you're just following this char- these characters around. Yeah. Eventually character. <laughs> spoiler alert i literally said spoiler alert beforehand so i don't i did not see that. that coming i didn't either i was like and you turn around he's like no no and he turned around i was like oh what the fuck yeah like this man just died yeah um i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed 1917 i'm glad because i was very high on 1917 um the way it was shot was so fucking cool that's how one shot it was just there was multiple times dude where i was like 30 minutes into the movie and i was like where the fuck have they made a cut yeah. I was like, there's no way they've gone 30 minutes without a cut. I don't know where they made it, though. Yeah, because obviously they had to. There's you there's know, some obvious, like when the explosion happened, you yeah. can make a cut there. but Or like when he die or he passes out or whatever. That was like the only thing you consider a cut, really, because it goes to black for like five seconds. It's but, the only, but it was very intentional cut. Yeah. Um, but, but besides that, yeah. Yeah, and then like comparing it to Birdman, there's, you know, a scene where he'll go to put a key in the door and it'll pan down to the door and then like a second later his hand enters the screen and it it was very obvious the cuts in Birdman. Yeah. Um you could tell for sure and some things almost didn't line up and kind of I was like, "Oh, what the fuck?" Yeah. Um none of that in 1917. I'm glad you liked it so much, Ty. It was incredibly shot, great story and just edge of your seat. 
yeah, the the cinematography on it too. The one scene I remember, I think I did do a movie scale because the scene I had in mind, it was after he got pat, he passed out and everything. He's like in that city that's burning, and it's like just like a scene of him walking, and it has like all the flames in front of him. It's like a silhouette. I remember watching that. Like, damn, that looks cool. Um, this where it's I think it's right after that, or maybe before where he's running and the only light is like the flares. Yeah, and so it just keeps passing by, and you see and him right like this that. dark. Either way, fucking incredibly shot. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. I didn't see the watch the trailers for 1917. I had no idea he was in this movie. I was like, wow, very short. Yeah, very but, short role. But I, I saw it in the trailer, so I knew. But I was I was amazed by that. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. All right, coming up against Fast and the Furious. Fast and the Furious, Jason. The first Fast and the Furious. I don't know the actual name of it. I think it is the Fast and the Furious. Yeah, the Fast and the Furious, 2001. Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, Michelle Rodriguez. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I've never seen this movie all the way through, and I just realized that right now. <laughs> God damn it, Jason! <laughs> I've probably seen the whole movie. I've just never finished it, start to finish. It's a movie of an undercover cop, Brian O'Connor. Yes, played by Paul Walker. I know. I know what it's about. Vin Diesel and his crew are stealing DVDs. Yes. Um, and he doesn't know that. And he gets close to them, and he thinks they're good, and then he catches them, and he has to be like, "Oh, I'm a cop." And then Vin Diesel dies at the end. No. Well, he hits the train. Yes. They play it off like he dies. Well, no, he doesn't hit the train. They clear the train, and then he hits Big Rig. Some bullshit, okay? <laughs> they pulled their Fast and the Furious. He didn't really die or whatever. Because wasn't Too Fast, Too Furious just Paul Walker? Yeah. And then 3 Tyrese was... Gibson. Also. And then 3 was Tokyo Drift. And then You're Vin not Diesel connected to anything. came back to 4. Maybe Han? I think they got one character from 3. Yeah. Yeah, Vin Diesel's in one, and then four, and then the rest in the series. I will say, I've never seen two or three. I've seen one, four, five, six, seven. Two's entertaining. Two's, two ain't bad. Yeah, I never, I, I've only seen the ones Vin Diesel's in. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, not even realizing. Um, I mean, it's a fine movie. It's fun. It's I fun. prefer, I know you hate this, but I prefer the, the craziness of now versus this. I don't. I love the absurdity and, of this. And that might just be, you know, this... You're a car guy. I'm not really a car guy, so yeah, that's fine. Um, I love the, the like the underground racing aspect of it. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool to see. Yeah, I love the fact that his car has so much horsepower. I know you're not a car guy, Jason, but what do you think happens when you do a burnout? Okay, I I know exactly what happens Let's when you do it. a burnout. Okay, the tires, right? Because mm-hmm. it's rear. You got to be rear wheel drive to do a burnout, right? Or it's very hard to do a front wheel drive burnout. Correct. They spin so fast that it can't catch the ground, so they're just sitting there spinning, and then you eventually go. <laughs> it can't catch the ground. Because <laughs> it's like going so fast that it's not. It's faster than the, the friction will yes. allow. The friction. Um, coefficient of friction. Coefficient of friction. Yes, Mr. Ziesmer. Yes. Am I right? Yeah. So it's it's going right, fast, bitch. and it's putting so much like acceleration that it breaks loose. There's yeah. not enough friction. Mm-hmm. What do you think happens when a car does a wheelie, Jason? Cars can do wheelies? Cars can oh, do wheelies. Fun fact, my dad actually used to be in a car club. I think you might have known that because I think your dad like trying to hang out with him. Yeah, he would go to races. And he said he used to sit in people like the back of people's cars so they wouldn't do wheelies or the front of people's cars. They did something. like, Or he would sit in the cars to help weight the cars. Okay. I don't know what happens when they do a wheelie. Wheelie happens when there's so much power and you have really good like drag tires that it lifts the front end of the car up so, because you have so much friction and grip. 
So it's like having the power of a burnout, but having the friction to match the power. Yes, and so it lifts okay. the car up because you the tire rotates on the axle. Yeah, and so instead of the tire rotating, the car rotates. There's That's so pretty much power. cool. That's pretty bitching. Those can't happen at the same time, and it happens in this movie. <laughs> See? He does a burnout wheelie, and it's fucking great. It's the most absurd that's thing ever. Exactly. But that's like science if they're gonna half, If they're going to half go into it, they got they might as well go full into it, Ty. They might as well catch the new Fast and Furious trailer where he literally catches the car. <laughs> you just got to go into it, man. You got to lean into it. I think you need to – have you seen the new ones? Like what's the most recent Fast and Furious I've you've seen? seen the, I haven't seen Hobbs and Shaw, but I've seen all the mainline. Okay, so you have seen them. They're absurd. They're fucking absurd. Yeah, I'm going to vote for um, 1917, though. Yeah, no, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> it was fun to talk about the movie, though. Oh, man. 1917 versus Birdman. That'll be an interesting one. All right. Next up is our eight and nine seed matchup. Yep. Closest critic rating of any movie. Which, which is surprising. It blows me away. <laughs> uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Martin, Scors- Cors- uh, Martin Scorsese directed movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Leonardo DiCaprio, Caprio, mm-hmm. Jonah Hill, mm-hmm. other people. Um, what's his name? Matthew McConaughey for a little bit. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Kind of like her breakout role. Um, I could be wrong with that. Other people could have seen her in other things. No, this is her sure breakout role for me. Pretty sure. I'm I'm like 10% sure you're right about that. Um. Up against what year did Wolf of Wall Street come out? 2013. So was it a 2014 nominee? It would be yeah. So the Academy Awards that took place in 2014, because I think they take place early in the year. Up against what tie? Up against our number. Yes, it was nominated. Didn't win. Yeah, nine seed. Crazy Stupid Love. A movie I've only seen once, and it was with you the first time we watched it ever. Uh, starring Steve Emma Carell. Stone, Steve Carell. Ryan What's Gosling, the guy, yeah, the good-looking guy. Um, the one chick. <laughs> so let me get, let me get this. Make sure I'm right about Crazy Stupid Love. The, how I remember it. So Steve Carell, he's like in a relationship. He is married. I remember the scene where he jumps out of the car. <laughs> yes, while Julianne it's moving, jumps wife. out of the the passenger door, and then he goes. He gets divorced, maybe, or he finds out she's cheating. Something happens, and then he goes to Ryan Gosling, and Ryan Gosling like helps him pick up chicks, right? And then doesn't Ryan Gosling eventually, like, stab him in the back and fuck his wife or something? No. Oh, oh my God. I made that up in my head. <laughs> that would have been a wild twist. <laughs> this movie is uh, Steve, Car- Steve Carell, and he's married to Julianne Moore. And the opening scene is him jumping out of the car when she says, I want a divorce. And That's I'm cheating on yeah. you. Yeah. And he says, stop, ho- stop talking, or I'm jumping out of this car. And she doesn't stop talking. Um, <laughs> Just fucking rolls in the street. <laughs> so he does that. He gets very depressed and he goes to a bar and he's sitting at a bar being depressed. And Ryan Gosling is the womanizing kind of guy at the bar. Yeah. Gets a lot of pussy. Yeah. Um, says he's pathetic and helps him change and not be pathetic. <laughs> helps him pick up a bunch of chicks. And then eventually uh, Ryan Gosling dates Steve Carell's daughter, not knowing that's that it's what Steve it Carell. is. That's what it is. Yeah. And then they all meet at the house where. It's like Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell and the daughter and the wife. And then there's like a subplot where like the babysitter, Steve Carell, wants to fuck him. But then Steve Carell's son loves the babysitter. <laughs> and then the babysitter like tries taking nudes for Steve Carell, but she's in high yes, school. Yes, yes, yes. And then yes. The, the mom sees it, gives it to the dad. So then the dad shows up trying to fuck up Steve Carell. Yes. Okay, it's all coming back to me. And it's a fantastic scene. And then the, the chick that uh, Julianne Moore was cheating on Steve Carell with, that guy, shows up. Mm-hmm. It's just fantastic. 
It is the most what the fuck interlining like storylines all at once. How does it end? Do they get back together? I don't recall. Um, I think it's kind of implied. It ends at the son's graduation. He's making a speech. He's like, oh, my son is depressing, but I'm going to make the speech for him, which is absurd. <laughs> um, it's a good movie. It's very enjoyable. Marissa Tomei. I know it's your favorite rom-com of all time. Um, you you're going to get me in trouble. Why? Because I said that. And apparently when me and Victoria started dating, I said a different movie was my favorite rom-com oh, of all well, time. Well, what did you say? The Friends other with one? Benefits, which I enjoy very much. Oh, God. Friends with Benefits? I enjoy very much. Never seen it. Didn't... Friends with Benefits. There was another movie yes, that came no out. No strings attached. It was like the exact same exact movie. Exact same. <laughs> One had Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman. One had Justin Timberlake, right? And Mila Kunis. Which That's is crazy. Funny, because Ashton Kutcher yes. and Mila Kunis. <laughs> they made the exact same movie that came out in the same year. Versus The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, a movie about a stock market, a Wall Street mogul making money off of other people becomes, you know, builds up this firm, becomes a millionaire, doing a lot of drugs, True story. fucking a lot of girls, cheating. And, you know, it's just kind of like his 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 climb up the mountain and he hits the mountaintop and then his quick spiral down. Doing As, illegal shit. Yeah. Gets caught. Makes a lot of fucking money in the process. Just a crazy movie. Just comes at your face. I believe it set the record for most uh, F words in the movie. Uh, something like that. There's a there's a documentary on the word fuck that I know holds the record, <laughs> um, but I think it is the best like actual movie. Yeah. So uh, number one is, I think South Park Uncut was also up there. Number one is Swearnet the movie, which came out after Wolf of Wall Street in 2014. Okay. I don't even know what that's about. Um, it's a Canadian comedy film. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, it's um, Stars of the Trailer Park Boys. So I'm guessing it might be just be like a trailer star. I don't know. And then, yeah, fuck. A documentary on the word, 2005. <laughs> and then Wolf of Wall Street. I love this stat they have. They have next-gen stats. Fucks per minute. <laughs> oh, let's see it. Wolf of Wall Street's a 3.16. It's got the pie of fucks per minute. <laughs> uh, and then the documentary's 9.21, and SwearNet is 8.35. That's fantastic. But, yeah, so it, it cusses a lot. Um very vulgar, very R-rated, very very R-rated. Doing doing drugs off a stripper's ass. <laughs> um, lots of sex. I want to say, uh, did I wonder if this had a chance of getting like a not rated? No, like if they had to trim anything to get because there's no gore or anything like that. Oh my god, I actually watched a documentary about this, and I don't remember. There's like two things because the MPAA is just a group of like 15 undisclosed people. Yeah, it's just a random fucking group that everyone just has to live by. Like it doesn't even matter, but they just have to do it. There's a documentary about the MPAA and one of the things they were talking about because they're talking about how movies would get not rated and it pretty much like kills a movie's chances at the box office. Yep. And there's like two specific things that triggers them. Like, and I don't, I don't remember what it is. I think one's like underage genitalia or something some weird like i think that might be illegal actually never mind (laughs) probably shouldn't do that implied (laughs) stuff of that something but like it's like weird things it's 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 definitely weird sounds about right it's like particular that's my point i don't think any of this was over the top there's nothing gory it's just just some tits (laughs) some drugs what do you think ty i think the wolf of wall street's fucking incredible movie i think so too um i think if 
Crazy Stupid Love went up against a couple of these other ones, it would have moved on. Yeah, okay. But I fucking love The Wolf of Wall Street. Maybe it doesn't play during this time. What? Um, just with everything going on with our economy. The Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this has nothing to do with... <laughs> I know. With disease. Riley wants me to watch... Well, the... I mean, sure, they got plenty of diseases. Well, I just meant like the stock market. <laughs> Riley wants me to watch the big short movie about the housing crisis in 2008. It's Adam McKay. She's like, oh, I really want you to watch that soon. I'm like, right now's not the time to <laughs> You're just watch a movie like down. that. Yeah, like I don't want to watch a movie about the economy failing when we're about to go into a freaking depression. Yeah. I've heard it's a really good movie, though. So once we're all back up and bright and blue. Freaking five years. Um, <laughs> all right. So the matchup that I'm not looking forward to, Ty. The number one seed Parasite, which I finished about an hour ago now, versus the 16 seed Law-Abiding Citizen. Mm. We'll start with Law-Abiding Citizen. Story of a man who wants vengeance, Ty. Yes, he does. Someone breaks into his house, kills his wife, kills his kid. They don't get properly tried in the legal system. They don't get the punishment that he thinks they deserve. So he just goes on this revenge spree, um, pretty much captures the guy, tortures him, kidnaps him, sends a video of him torturing him to the police and they eventually arrest him and the whole time he's pretty much playing mind games with the police setting up intricate things you know this whole intricate plan which you find out at the end you know he wants to go into ice the isolation i forgot what that's called when you're in isolation mm, um, yeah i don't remember he does all these things you know because he has this big elaborate plan to pretty much show the police system how you know manipulative it is and how you know backwards and twisted and not correct it is and it's just perfect anti-hero movie absolutely it's this guy who you feel for him at the beginning because you know his family he watches his family fucking die in front of him mm-hmm. and he goes off the rails a little bit yeah he does kills uh, a guy with a spork he definitely kills a guy with a fucking spork <laughs> i looked up a law-abiding citizen on google and i've already liked the movie on google <laughs> <laughs> i fucking love that uh, gerard butler is the main character and then jamie fox is like the main detective uh lawyer dude um, kills a guy with the spork. He pumps a guy full of adrenaline in an IV so he can torture him longer. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh, puts God, a sorry. mirror above him and forces him to watch. Yeah. Which is just the most badass thing I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> is this your favorite law, uh, your favorite Gerard Butler movie? He's in 300. I've never seen 300. Um, Phantom th- of the Opera. It's a good movie. But the Bounty Hunter. That one's kind of good. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> What's that, um... He's in like a um He's in like a rom com movie. Like a really sad movie that everyone's like, Oh, it's so sad. What is sad? it? Sad? Yeah, it's, it's like the a tr- the the It's ugly a romantic truth? movie. Is it the ugly truth? With what, uh what is it about? It's him and she was on Grey's Anatomy. She's the girl from Knocked Up. I think he's like a he's like a call I don't in think that's it. call in host and he doesn't believe in love and then they fall in love. I don't. haven't seen it in forever. P.S. I love you. Okay. I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, Riley like wanted me to watch it, said it was really sad and everything. A young widow discovers that her late husband has left her 10 messages intended to help ease her pain and start a new life. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. That is not going to ease anyone's pain. That's going to make it so much worse. <laughs> if anything ever happens to me, I'm going to leave you a letter. <laughs> I'm just going to burn it. I ain't going to read that shit. Yeah, this is probably either this movie or you're going to get a kick out of this. There's a movie called uh, Playing for Keeps. Terrible, terrible, terrible Netflix movie that I watched years ago. 
just quarantine stupid this is a movie that victoria would probably really like because i know riley would really like it. it's just a movie where it's like an emotional it's just a, a stupid rom-com you know what i mean that's fine it's uh riley would love it it's just you know me and my mom watched it so that just kind of shows <laughs> but it's just about like this soccer player i think he's like a pro soccer player it's kind of like cars he gets like humbled and then he becomes a coach for like a soccer team like a youth soccer team and then he gets a job offer from espn and he's gonna leave the youth soccer team and like all this stuff and <laughs> yeah yeah this one uh this one definitely takes it for me for gerard butler well does it take it against parasite so here's the deal jason this is our 16 seed yeah 26 percent on rotten tomatoes yeah 34 percent on <laughs> medic score which is fucking rough yeah it is so i mean it's bad to get a low low score on meta score critics are wrong sometimes because this movie's fantastic <laughs> It's, I don't. It's I don't a turn know. off your brain. So if playing for keeps is like the girl version of a terrible movie to love, this is the guy version of a terrible movie to love. You just turn off your brain. You I, just enjoy the ride. Absolutely. <laughs> Makes you feel for the guy at the beginning, and so you're okay with all the violent shit he does. Yeah. And he does a lot of violent shit. <laughs> all you got to do is justify the violent shit for me, and I'm I'm all in. Oh man, I'm fine. I don't like rapists. I don't like murderers. <laughs> There's a reason he's murdering. Fine with it. But does it? How does it stand up against Parasite, Ty? Jason, we haven't talked about Parasite on here, have we? No, because I never saw it until about an hour and a half ago. So, it was a Best Picture winner, and I finally decided to watch it after that. Okay. Um, after watching it, your girlfriend told me to text her what I thought of the movie. Mm-hmm. I responded with, it was the best movie I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, I never I didn't say it was my favorite, but genuinely the best movie can, I've ever okay, seen. Okay, can you... What am I missing? What am I missing? Because I watched this movie, and it wasn't a bad movie by any means. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. What am I missing? So, for me, I don't know if what if it just didn't translate over to you, like the emotional aspects of it or whatever, the comedy, through the, you know, subtitles. If that kind of turned you off from it. What, you speak Korean? You didn't have to wor- deal with I'm the subtitles? I'm saying if that, like, <laughs> if you didn't like the subtitle aspect of it. So, I like, didn't like it going in, hit. but watching it, I found myself not noticing I was reading subtitles. So that's how I was, like, ten minutes into it. Yeah. Um, The first half is, like, a comedy. Like, a heist movie. Yeah. Where they, it's funny. There's funny spots, like, uh, jokes. Um, And then they're, like, all getting together, and, like, one by one, the family's kind of taking over this other family. Yeah. Um, Lying about things to get different like jobs for them. Yeah. Um and then as the movie progresses, it just takes a fucking 180. Yeah. And it becomes like a thriller and then a like tragedy by the end. It's just so many fucking genres in one movie, so flawlessly in my opinion. And just the the story of, you know, the rich people live at the top of the fucking hill. Yeah. And these are the poor people who are trying to live up there and trying to be a part of that. And no matter what they do, no matter how hard they try, shit always goes south for them. Yeah. And, you know, the the rain, the rain seems fucking great at the end where it literally floods and destroys the poor family's entire life. It destroys yeah. their house. The rich people on top are like, oh, the rain cleared all the, the fucking smog and shit. What a beautiful day. Yeah. And it's such polar opposites of just like a, a commentary on like wealth. It was. It was a social commentary. Uh, absolutely. And um, it's it just the way it so flawlessly was funny and sad and emotional and like a thriller like it had action scenes it had fucking sad scenes i was genuinely laughing out loud at some points in the first half it just all fucking came together so incredible for me 
I'm glad it did for you, Ty. I don't. <laughs> so what what did you think of it? Um, I don't think I laughed maybe more than two times. So that's why I'm thinking like I, some of the stuff like it was very much like uh, dry humor. Yeah. Which I don't think could have been taken. A lot of people wouldn't take it as dry humor just because um, of the subtitles aspect. I I know that I kind of like I kind of knew going in about the whole guy in the basement. Like I didn't know what it was going to be, but I knew there was something about the basement. I had no fucking clue. Um, so that I, well, you. I just knew because I saw something about basement on Twitter. I didn't know that what the situation was, but I knew something was going to be the basement. So I was like, oh, it's going to be something crazy. So like when she when it found out that, you know, her husband was living under there, I was just like, oh, OK. Um, I don't know, man. I don't I didn't feel like emotional at the end, like when he stabs the guy, like just that part. I didn't really I don't know. He like stabbed him just because he thought the one guy smelled bad because they were saying he smells bad. Like, I get it. Like, you know, it's like. He's mad that he, you know, because it's the whole social commentary aspect of it. My least know. favorite part, if it makes you feel better, is that ending. All right. Well, I, di- I didn't genuinely love that ending of him stabbing him. I get it. I understand what they did it for and what the purpose of it was. Yeah. Um, the ending I didn't like as much, but it's just the entire rest of the story that fucking blew me away. And like you were saying, like, oh, the guy's in the basement. I was fucking shook. <laughs> I was deep diving into this movie, and I had no idea that was coming. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Um, I don't know. Some of the imagery and scenes of it, like the cinematography of this is fantastic. I think some of the shots of the house and the town and just how fucking beautiful that house looks and everything up top. And then just how grim and disgusting it looked. Yeah. In the, the poor part of the town. Um, I, I loved the movie. I didn't dislike it. Like I said, I don't think it's a bad movie and I'd be lying if I said it was a bad movie, but I just, I feel like I'm missing something. I don't know what it is. I wouldn't give it a rotten score, but I definitely wouldn't have picked it to win best picture this year. I, you know, I don't want to, I mean, that might spoil my vote later on, but who cares? I'm not going to tell you what I would pick over it, but I don't know. I just, maybe I I got so overhyped, not overhyped, but so hyped up leading into it that I just kind of was like, whatever about it. I mean, there's obviously something where you didn't connect to it. No, that is what it is. For me, it was the best picture winner. And I was like, all right, I got to see what's so good about this movie. And I watched it and it was unlike any other movie I've ever seen. And like I said, it's not my favorite movie ever, but I think it is genuinely the best movie I have ever watched. Well, that kind of shows your hand on what you're going to vote on the rest of the way. No, because this is a favorite movie list. <laughs> Every Oscar winner would be winning the bracket, Jason. That's true. That's true. There's some much critically better rated comedies than the one that won. But we went with our heart. That's true. 14th seed. 14th seed. Team of Dreams. <sighs> For me, Love Law Abiding Citizen, it's Parasite by a football field. Is that supposed to say a lot or not a lot? Um, is a lot. football field a lot? It's a usually, very large field. Well, but usually say like by a mile. So a football field in comparison I was thinking, to I was a thinking, mile. I was watching a YouTube video today where they were doing like the solar system, but on a football field. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. And then the guy like drove across the city to explain how far apart the planets are, which blew my mind. <laughs> but in that aspect, it's like light years. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'm fine with letting Parasite move on. Again, I enjoy Law Abiding Citizen. It wasn't a bad movie, okay? I'm not saying, and like, I will say I probably enjoyed it more than I enjoyed Birdman. 
So hopefully those two don't match up in the future because I just showed there's my a, hand. There's a, very, there's a chance that it goes the next round. Um, I enjoyed it more than some other movies that are in the second round here, but I just, like you said, best movie you've ever watched or even the Oscar winner. I just, I just didn't see that personally. I also don't think that uh, you immediately coming on the pod after watching it is very good. I think you maybe need to sit on it a little bit. Usually it's the other way around, recency bias. But, okay, not like 10 minutes recency bias. <laughs> I, think, I think literally just sleeping on it would have done you some good. I don't know. We'll see. I'll see if I change my mind. <sighs> All right. Want to go back down to the bottom? Yeah. Number seven, Jojo Rabbit uh, took out Happy Gilmore. Coming up against number two seed, Peanut Butter Falcon. Okay, so, damn, we're coming up on an hour already. Over an hour, actually. Yeah, we talked a lot. I will say, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Jojo Rabbit has more, um, not even so much social commentary, because it's not really social commentary anymore. Just the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Satirical comedy and just stuff of that nature. We said it when we did our review. It's kind of like a humanizing, not even, not in a bad way. You know, someone might hear this and think it's a bad way, but like it kind of humanizes like maybe Nazi youth. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, because obviously when you hear Nazi, the first thing you think is like, oh, I hate you that person. That. But yeah. realistically, you know, if you listening to this grew up in Germany and you were 10 years old, like you would have been a Nazi. This like, is exactly how it was. If you grew up and all you saw was posters of Hitler and how he's the fucking great leader and all of this, like that's how your mind would be. I mean, I'm not going to say <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to compare to today. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's definitely, you know. It kind of humanizes that a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, Peanut Butter Falcon, more of a feel-good movie. Um, I don't think Peanut Butter Falcon's trying to be as critically acclaimed as Jojo Rabbit. Not even critically acclaimed, just like well-put-together artsy in a way. It does have its artsy elements, but I think it's more banking on the feel-good story aspect of it. Yeah, it is what it is, and I, I think it's incredible that it's our number two seed, critic-wise, because yeah. I don't think it was a critic-pleasing movie. Like I said, I just think it's one of those movies like it wasn't made necessarily well enough to get a nomination because it's just kind of simple by nature. But just the story and the feel good nature of it, like it's almost like impossible to give it a rotten score. And I think that's kind of so I think if you give it a one out of ten, maybe it doesn't it isn't the second seated movie. Yeah. But I think the the criteria for Rotten Tomatoes is would you recommend this movie? Yes or no? Yeah. It is the most recommendable movie ever. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's going to enjoy this movie. You might not love it. You might not get blown away by it. But you're going to watch it and you're going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Jojo Rabbit, people might hate this fucking movie. Yeah. I know what my vote is, Ty, and I think we might disagree. I am I think I would vote for Peanut Butter Falcon, if I'm being honest. You really think? I think so. I, I, Jojo Rabbit, it was a good movie, but I don't know, man. For me, Peanut Butter Falcon, like you said, it's a feel-good, straightforward movie. Jojo Rabbit, it's got some humor. It's got social commentary. And the plot is much better because Peanut Butter Falcon really is just a, we're going here. Yeah, it is. Uh, Jojo Rabbit has a full plot, full commentary, more visually appealing. And uh, don't get me wrong. I love Peanut Butter Falcon. No, I know. I'm not. I'm not. But for me, if I'm looking at these movies head to head, I think Jojo Rabbit is better cinematography wise, Mm -hmm. better story. And has, you know, it's a commentary. It's got better, I want to say better humor. Peanut Butter Falcon has feel-good humor. Yeah. This is more intelligent humor. Yeah. Commentary humor. Satire. Riley, can you come here real quick, please? 
We have another tiebreaker. It's got to happen. Um, because she's, I don't think anyone we could call has seen both of these movies. Maybe yeah. Victoria would be the only other person. Maybe. Call uh, we'll Jojo Rabbit or Peanut Butter Falcon. Really give it a good a good thought. You can also explain on the mic if you want, like you did last time, Mrs. Tiebreaker. Talk, talk us through your yeah, talk to talk to the mic how you sung to the mic and tried making your own CD. Let's not talk about that at the moment. A L- little bit closer, please. Let's not uh, talk about my CD adventures at the moment. Um, I don't know. That's a that's a tough one, but I think I would have to go with Jojo Rabbit. Okay. I have pretty bad recency bias, but also I remember just enjoying it a little bit more, and um, I have Taika Waititi bias as well. Would you say that you have bias from your father literally loving this movie more than any movie in his life? Um, I don't think so. But How many times do you think your dad has seen this movie? Probably four. Oh, that's it? Four to ten. <laughs> he loves it. When we went over to his house a few weeks ago, uh, he asked everyone, like, have you seen Jojo Rabbit yet? Like, that's a great fucking movie. <laughs> Thank you, I, Riley. You know Joe. I've never, I've never heard him do this. He's just like, hey, Jason, he's like, What's your favorite part about Jojo Rabbit? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I don't know. The, the fat kid, he's like, I like the end. <laughs> I love it. I love like, it. Joe's not that kind of guy. So like he loved that movie. I'm fine with it moving on. It's, um, a, it's a great film. I mean, they're both good films. I'm glad Jojo Rabbit takes it though. We're going to have a talk later. Me and Ryan. Uh, <laughs> that's twice now. She's gone with me on the tiebreaker. Number six ski, seed. Scott Pilgrim versus the world versus the third seated The Martian. Now, these movies, very different. Yes. Um, very different, actually. <laughs> like, like aggressively different. <laughs> One is The Martian, which is very scientific, and this is a scientific way of surviving and in space. Well, yeah, I'm going to take your comparison up a notch, but continue. Scott Pilgrim is, uh, we're going to do comic book, but with real life people. And video games and so that's music. my comparison. Scott Pilgrim, you have something that is actually kind of realistic. Like you get a new girlfriend, maybe you got to fight some of the exes. You know, like you know, obviously <laughs> you don't have to do that, but it's a movie that's kind of grounded in more reality. Like, and then it's crazy. It's got the fighting scenes and everything, and then it's just so unrealistic in that aspect because it's a comic book movie. And then you have The Martian, which is just such a ridiculous premise of this guy surviving on Mars and by himself and then people coming back to get him. But then they make it realistic. Yes. It's like you could say the realistic movie went so, you know, this way and then the unrealistic movie went the other way. So they're just like completely different. Absolutely. Um, I will say both of these movies, pretty good humor. Scott yep. Pilgrim, I laughed throughout the movie. The Martian is also pretty fucking funny. Would you say humor in The Martian could be harder because half of the movie is just one guy by himself? Oh, absolutely. Um, if Matt Damon doesn't give a good performance and like his jokes and shit don't hit, this movie sucks. This, yeah, it, it would just be viewed as a interstellar castaway failure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is very much. I mean, it's not like he's the only one. You get a lot of scenes back at. Yeah, that's why I say half the movie. So. Yeah, where you know they're trying to save him, and I think it's um, Childish Gambino, Donald Glover when he's acting. Okay, correct. A <laughs> um, couple other people. Uh, the guy from Dumb and Dumber in a very serious role. Oh, yeah, that's Smart right. Smarter. Jeff, no, Jeff something? Jeff Daniels. Is Pretty that good. a total guess? Jeff Daniels. Yeah, I nailed it. Fuck, I'm good. Oh, I 
didn't connect those dots until right this second. <laughs> um, and I, but it works, dude. It's funny and it's it's very realistic. Yeah. And there's something to be said about a movie where I'm just sitting. So <laughs> hear me out. Okay. I was watching a movie the other day, Jason. A Nick Cage classic, National Treasure. Oh, dude, great movie. I'm surprised I didn't make it on the list. <laughs> something about Fuck. that movie where it's just he is so much smarter than you. And the entire time you're just sitting there watching him figure it out. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Something about that where it's just you're a fucking idiot and he knows more than you and he's going to explain why. Something about those kind of movies. There's a lot of those kind of movies. And that's great. It's just great where it's just like, oh, like, of course, if I would have known that, if I was a fucking (laughs) history expert, I would know to fucking look at that. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of more movies like that, but I can't off the top of my head. (laughs) Something about those is great. The Martian is one of those movies where it's just like, oh, man, this guy's fucked. And he's like, I'm smarter than you. This is why I'm not fucked. Goodwill Hunting's kind of like that. Goodwill Hunting, fantastic movie. Uh, back to is the this future. just space, Goodwill Hunting? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you know what my vote is, Ty. So, as much as I love Scott Pilgrim, The Martian is a better movie. Oh. Scott Pilgrim is my favorite, and I would choose it with my heart over The Martian. If I got to sit down and watch one, I'm watching Scott Pilgrim. Okay. The Martian is a better movie, and I know you definitely choose The Martian, so The Martian moves on. No, you're me- you're what you're saying is you can't vote against Scott Pilgrim, so you're abstaining and you're not voting. Yes. And you're letting me vote. So I'm saying my heart goes with Scott Pilgrim, my brain goes to The Martian, so I can't choose, and you are choosing. Choosing The Martian. You got to do what I do and not pick against a movie you love. Just I'm not a, I'm not a coward. <laughs> <laughs> number four seed Birdman versus number five seed nineteen seventeen. That's kind of kind of neat. They uh, met two up here. One shot movies. Which movie did the one shot better? Actually, I have two great. They aren't one shots because of one blackout scene. Yeah. One guy tries to shoot himself. Does shoot himself, I believe. In the nose. Yeah. How the fuck do you miss? That's what I'm saying. I think he actually killed himself. The other gets shot. Yeah. In the brain. But he got a helmet on. <laughs> um, I enjoyed Birdman. I enjoyed the performances and the acting performances of this. I don't even know who's in 1917. We didn't even say those guys' names. I don't. Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch. And he's in it for all of two minutes on screen. If that. <laughs> um, 90 there's seconds. A, there's that one British dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I don't like, even think we need to say his name. He's just that one British dude. You didn't answer the question. Which movie did the one shot better? I, abs- I absolutely, hands down, answered Last that round, question. you didn't answer it when they're mad head-to-head. 1917, and it's not even close. Yeah, Birdman, uh, I just wanted you to answer so I could add more to it. Birdman's just more manufactured. Um, absolutely. Whereas I feel like 1917, the one shot might have been more important to the story they were trying to tell and just the dynamic they were trying to make where Birdman it might not have been so important it was just kind of like an artistic decision just to do it to do it to do it you know what I mean yes and no I think with Birdman I I it was a theater yeah. movie and I think the fact that theaters aren't movies and if you're having a play it's all in one shot yeah it was very much a conscious effort to no, tell that's that what kind I'm saying. of story it was an artistic decision but I think just the movie itself if they would have done cuts I think you it would have been the same movie. I really do. Whereas yeah. 1917, if they did cuts, I think it would be a different feel. I think if they made the one shot better, it could have made this movie a lot better. Yeah. 
Um, I again, those, there was very obvious cuts that kind of felt forced. Yeah. Um, Just I think like panning if, up to the sky and then the yes. clouds. And then, and yeah. then shit like where they pan away from the people and then when they come back, it didn't line up. Yeah. I mean, it was close, but if you knew what you were looking for, it didn't line up. Yeah. Um, I think if they do that better, it adds to the movie because of the fact that it's about theater and about those plays. I didn't look at it through that lens, Ty. There you go. Just add a little <laughs> bit for you to sit on. Um, as opposed to 1917, you can make a war movie that's not a one shot. Yeah, but this war movie was different and that's why i think it needs it more because if it does cuts and everything it's just going to look like any other war movie because the story itself isn't necessarily super compelling like he's delivering a letter to a general to not attack the germans because it's a trap like it's nothing super compelling like yeah you have the guy dying and everything but just the whole one-shot nature and you're following him on this one journey you know it's just you know i think it adds something where if they would have done cuts, it would have just been like another Dunkirk or something. Yeah. I mean, with this movie from start to end, the main character is on screen for 95% of the movie. Yeah. I mean, when he's not on screen, it's because you're looking at another character and he's standing right behind the camera. Yeah. Um, you never leave him. You're with him the entire time. And that's very conscious. And that's why it is such a unique war movie. I don't like war movies. I don't either. I love this movie. I, I That's exactly how I felt. I was like, war movies for me, don't do it. I don't like war movies. I don't know what it is. I've heard some are great. Saving Private Ryan. Never watched it. I watched the opening scene of it. Very gory. Is it? Yeah, it's that one movie where it gave like people P- PTSD. Because okay. it's... Um, oh, my God. I Guantanamo... No, not Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> Afghanistan? No. It, uh, it's the freaking thing from World War One or World War Two, Where they like stormed on the beach. It's something day. D-Day. Yes. D-Day. Normandy. Normandy, yes. Thank you. Welcome. Really? I thought Saving Private Ryan was like Afghanistan. No. <laughs> I've literally, I've only ever heard it's good. I know nothing about it. No, yeah, it was D-Day. <laughs> okay. It's brutal. At least I think. It definitely wasn't modern. I think you're thinking of Pearl Harbor, Jason. No, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, set during the invasion of Normandy in World War II. <laughs> okay. That shows how much you knew about Saving Private Ryan. Literally Friday. nothing. <laughs> um, again, I don't like war movies. I thought it was about nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie though is incredible. And yeah, Birdman is a it's a decently good story with good performances, good acting. Yeah. Um, nineteen seventeen is for me, dude. It, I'm I'm surprised they didn't get any love acting for this movie. Nineteen seventeen. Yeah. Yeah, because it is emotional and gritty and you can feel the frustration because for me, it has literally felt like a video game type thing where it's not a movie. These were actors. You were following these characters. Yeah. And I, it was a true story, I want to say, too. Yeah, it was inspired by like stories told by their grandpa or whatever. Yeah. I, fucking incredible. Which is just it's insane, too, to think like, you know, how often this kind of shit happened, especially like World War Two, like you don't have, you know advanced messaging and everything like just like small little quests like this that were like stories for people's like, lives to pass down yeah. you're like hey if you uh if you don't do this thousands of people are gonna die and like this was like this epic emotional journey and like this is something that would happen every other tuesday you know what i mean it's crazy dude yeah um 1917 moves on i'll talk about it some more next round maybe i was gonna vote for birdman okay jason are you gonna vote for birdman no it's 1917 moves on <laughs> <laughs> up next ty the Ugh. best movie you've ever seen versus my Parasite. top movie of the decade versus your top 
movie of the decade. Had you not seen Parasite yet at that time? Nope. Oh, okay. So pretty much, okay. And you hadn't, and you hadn't seen a 1917 at the time either. So very true. Parasite versus Wolf of Wall Street tie. Um, I, I hear. I want to get your thoughts on this, Jay. I think it's quite clear that I did not connect with Parasite as much as other people. Um, <laughs> I will say. I would say it, it definitely is good enough to at least be in the final four of this wild card round, which is where it would go on if it won. Um, if I were ranking the top four movies, I might rank it in the top four. The problem is it's coming up against another movie I definitely would rank in the top four in Wolf of Wall Street. So it's pretty much one of them is going to miss the cut. Yeah. Um, and again, the thing about Parasite, it was a well-made movie. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know if it's just because I didn't come away with it from it blown away in any way i just it was something about it there were my one complaint about parasite and um was there was one scene in particular where i thought there was just way too much fucking dialogue (laughs) um it was the scene when they're staying at the family's house and it's like they're just drinking and stuff and they just kept like talking i just didn't feel like it did anything to push the plot forward i don't think you're you're really listening to what they said jay I don't remember what they said, but I remember enjoying that scene. Well, there was like the guy pretended like he was going to hit his wife. And... That was weird. Yeah. That part was weird. That's what it was just like. It just kind of felt like, I don't know. It just, it, it kind of dragged that part dragged a little bit and that part just felt unnecessary, but the rest of it was definitely strategically planned. Um, the rock. I thought they were going to do more with the rock. So the rock, I, there's a theory that the rock wasn't. So it was like a good fortune or whatever. Yeah. Um, when the house floods, the rock floats, meaning okay. that it's not an actual rock and it was a fake. Oh, okay. Kind of like their whole thing was set up. Okay. So the rock would sink. And so if it's not a real rock, that's supposed to bring him that. But way. then when he puts it in the stream at the end, I think it's sunk. Yeah, I think it does too. So I don't know. Plot hole. No, I don't. I just, that was a theory. I don't even remember if it actually does float. Um, yeah, man. Also, that's how he survives getting hit in the head is because it is an actual rock. Oh, good point. Good point. So I don't know. Maybe it's a different rock at the end. Well, then again, the ending is just like a dream sequence, too. Yeah. It's not real. And, like, they even asked the director, and he was like, yeah, there's no way he's ever going to need enough money to actually buy that house. <laughs> it's a very grim, grim look at things. <laughs> so maybe if the rock was real... His dream is the rock being real, sinking in the stream, being a real good luck rock, and he's getting the house, but that's not the reality. Reality is what happened. I don't know. So I just missed a connection on something. It was a well-made movie. It was a good movie. Um, I don't know. I think I just expected more. I really do. I mean, I, I was blown away by it. I loved it. I think even that scene where you said it was a weird scene, it was a nice, very much a pause before shit hit the fan. Yeah. It was a, we're going to settle down with these characters. The whole front half take place. Calm down now. Have the scene with them. Shit's going off. Maybe I would have liked more shit going off. I I don't know. The fucking second half just doesn't stop. I, I don't know. I just, something about it. Like I said, maybe it's because I knew the basement was going to come into play and I was expecting a shock. So it wasn't as shocking to me. I think that's um, definitely a huge part because I literally went in knowing nothing about this movie. My theory on the movie was, because I told Riley I had a theory on what was going to happen. I thought, and I'm not saying this would have been better in any way. This is just what I thought, like my guess. I thought it was going to get to the point where, so they're pretending to be, you know, take over the jobs. 
and then the family went on a camping trip. So I was like, oh, they're going to fucking start pretending to be these people and they're going to kill the family and then become the family. That's what I thought was going to happen. I think, and, I think that's a movie. Maybe. I don't know. I think that's the Jordan Peele movie where they try and kill Get Out? Them. No, the other one. Us. Kinda. That's like Did you a see little us? more horror. No, but I know oh. the premise of it. Okay. I think, yeah, that's more like, I think Very it's more much horror because you have yeah. your like, whatever. This would have been more like, kind of like, can they fake it till they make it? And it would have been a little suspension of disbelief because like, how would they just kill them and get away with it? But I had that's what I thought. <laughs> that's what I thought was going to happen. I thought they were, it was because I asked rather, I was like, does the word parasite relate to the plot? And she said, yes. Absolutely. How? I'm a little confused. The family is a parasite on the the poor family is a parasite on the rich family because parasite feeds off its host. And oh. so they basically the one person got in and it grew like a parasite to where the entire family fed off the host. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it would be like, oh, the parasite's growing and it's going to eventually take over. And then it is, you know, the family is the parasite. Yeah. It's a good theory. I don't know. What do you think of Wolf of Wall Street? <laughs> compared I, to parasite i think i love wolf wall street <laughs> i think these are two of my favorite movies in this i think they absolutely both deserve to be in the final four but one can't make it yeah um i think my vote for the best movie would be parasite <laughs> i think for with my heart i enjoy wolf wall street more okay i think for you it's not close i don't want to be unfair and say that i don't like I said, it's it's not like I'm saying Parasite's a bad movie in the slightest. It's just when I hear things like that's the best movie I've ever seen, my expectations just get real high. So it's almost like anything will be sort of a disappointment. Very true. You know, if I expect the Dodgers to win the World Series and they lose in the NLCS, like, yeah, you're one of the final four teams, but that feels like a massive disappointment. Very true. Whereas, you know, the Angels make the ALCS. It's like fucking throw a parade. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> so... And maybe that's why, you know what? I don't know. What are you thinking, Ty? So my vote would be Parasite. Okay. Um, but not by uh, football field. <laughs> I know if we call Victoria for the tiebreaker, it will be unfair because she does not like Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give Parasite this. It can be hard to make a movie that's engaging with subtitles, especially for Americans who don't have the greatest um, retention span. My, my, me, myself included. Like, yes. I was on my phone a few times during this, but only when I knew they weren't talking. Um, so, you know what? I'll, I'll, give, I'll narrowly abstain my vote and let your vote count as the one vote. Love it. Parasite. They're both great movies, but I think just what Parasite did is more worthy of a of award type things than Wolf Wall Street. It's a great fucking movie. Do you want to go Jojo Rabbit or The Martian? Or do you want to do Jojo Rabbit The Martian or Parasite 1917? Uh, Let's go Jojo Rabbit The Martian. Okay. We just talked about Parasite. Okay, so what do you want to do? Jojo Rabbit or The Martian? So, two great films. Okay. Uh, Great stories. Mm Mm-hmm. Great actors. Matt Damon, Taika Waititi, Scarjo. Yeah. Don't don't give me that. <laughs> I know. I said she was great in this. I just know you like her, so I'm just trying to be a dick. Um, I don't know, man. I really don't. 
The Martian was very high up on my decades list. Yeah. I didn't put Jojo Rabbit on it because it was recency biased. I had just watched it like a few weeks before. What do you think? What are you thinking here? My thought is The Martian. <laughs> I'm just going to be outright and say it. I've I've learned something. I've learned that with these like critically acclaimed movies and it's it's just it's just my own flaws, I guess, as a person. Um when I get a climax in a movie, I want it to be like a climax climax. Nothing's higher than a climax climax than the guy literally shooting off of Mars and he's in like the freaking the spacecraft, you know what I mean? He thinks he's going to die and he's like sitting there. I think he's, he starts crying. Because he's not so. sure if it's going to work out. And then they finally catch him. And you're like, oh, shit, they got him. Like, it's like a one in a, you know, a hundred chance, whatever. Like, that's a climax. You're, you're Absolutely. like, your heart's racing. Whereas Jojo Rabbit doesn't really have that. And I think that's kind of why movies like Parasite, maybe, and movies like Jojo Rabbit. I just, I know Parasite does have a climax. But like I said, I kind of saw it coming a little bit. So I just, I think it kind of brought it down a little bit for me. I just, I don't know. Jojo Rabbit, I mean, I would say the climax is a lot more subtle. I don't even know what the climax is in Jojo Rabbit. His mom dying? Yeah, I think that would be the end of his mom dying and then right after the town getting attacked. Yeah. Um, Kind of those two put together. Yeah. And it's much more subtle. I mean, that scene with the, where he fucking walks up and sees his mom's shoes. Yeah. Fucks you up. Yeah, it's it's sad. Um, But it is not the edge of your seat what's going to happen like the Martian is. It was something weird about Jojo Rabbit too, where... I, I don't know why, but like emotionally, like that scene wasn't as moving for me. Um, in reflection, they did a really good job with the shoe tying thing. And I said that when we reviewed it, like that was great by them. But in the moment, for whatever reason, it wasn't something that jarred me. See, for me, it fucked me up because I did I legitimately. I don't know why. Like on a rewatch, very obvious. That yeah. It's gonna happen. I think. Yeah. Um, But for me, just the fact that it happened right there. So even if it is obvious that it's going to happen, the way they shot it. Yeah. Even if you're expecting it, you aren't expecting it. Yeah. Where he's following this butterfly, and then holy shit, his mom's right there. He's in the town square. Yeah. Um, and then the the shots of, like the houses where like, the windows and all the faces They're all staring. staring at him. Yeah. Incredible, great shot. Um, I think a lot of the scenes are really good in this, but I am fine giving it to The Martian. I think The Martian is a fantastic wow. movie. Wow. I think the you're right. The climax is incredible. Um, it's funny. Scientific. <laughs> Very scientific. Sebastian stands in it. That's right. The, um, what's his name? Why can't I think right now? The Winter Soldier? Yes. <laughs> also in Hot Tub Time Machine. Sebastian stands in Hot Tub Time Machine? He's the bad guy. Dude. He's like the main villain. I haven't, I saw that movie like when Blockbuster DVD, you know, send you in the mail was still a thing. You gotta rewatch it. It was on my top ten comedies I know. of the decade. I fucking love that movie. I saw it, you know, in like two thousand seven, whenever it came out. Have you seen the Have you seen that Aspen episode of South Park? Yes. He literally plays the douchey, douchey ski guy. Is that making fun of Hot Tub Time Machine? That episode? I don't think so oh, necessarily. Okay. But it's just he basically plays that. He's just a douchey ski guy. The French fry and pizza guy. <laughs> no, no, no. The oh Stan Marsh. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I um, love South Park, man. It's fucking great. That's oh, that's a list for the future. Check in the mental box. Top ten favorite South Park episodes. That would be. There's so <laughs> many. Exactly. That would be a fun list though, because I feel like we could each have ten separate ones and laugh at all <laughs> twenty of them. I fucking love South Park. That's dude. a great idea, especially right now in quarantine. I don't know where where, uh, fucking South Park streaming. I think 
if you get the Comedy Central app, they have a lot of the episodes or something. That's a great that's a great quarantine watch. Yeah, I love South Park, dude. Um So the Martian moving on to the finals. That's wow. That's a fucking great movie. Wow, I did not see that coming. I'm going to be honest. I mean, I if we're being real, top half of the bracket was stacked. Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh big time stacked. If you compare the top half so like in the round of 8, the top 4 compared to the bottom 4, not close for me. 1917 versus Parasite. Best picture winner versus best picture favorite going into the Oscars. Yes. Um incredible incredible films. Yes. Ah, oh, man. I don't like this. I don't like this one bit. Because I again, I said Parasite was the best movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Since then I've watched 1917. <laughs> I mean, personally get off of me just the way 1917 was shot the way the story is told the way you connect with these soldiers it just it was more uh connecting for me it was more riveting and i made this comparison earlier and i was saving it for now you got the dodgers parasite is the dodgers i was expecting a world series winner out of them and i got an, an alcs game seven loser yes NL, NL. What, NLCS. Maybe even a World Series loser. Like a World okay. Series five-game loser. Gentleman sweep. 1917, that I sucks. was expecting... I was expecting <laughs> a 500 team. Okay. I was expecting a team that had a lot of promise going into the season, like the Angels. But for some reason, just some things didn't click. Someone got hurt. I.e., you know, the, the movie didn't connect with me. And they finished, you know, 80, 80 and 82. 82 and 80. And they're they're fine. You know, they had some good moments. They got the best player in baseball on Mike Trout. 1917 has some good moments going on, but it just didn't reach, you know, but it excelled those expectations. It wasn't a wild card winner. It went to the ALCS and lost in seven games to the eventual World Series champions. And I just think I was so much more surprised by 1917 and how good it was compared to Parasite. I think that naturally leads me to lean more towards it. Whether that's fair or not, I don't care. So what you're saying is one team had high expectations, one team had low expectations. They made it about to they the same spot. They got eliminated the exact same spot. So, yeah. That's tough. I don't hate That's the comparison. That's how I feel about it right now. For me, I... So I don't know, because, again, I've said I don't like war movies. Me neither. And everyone was, oh, 1917, so incredible. And I was like, oh, it's going to be fucking... It's going to be what it is. I'm going to go into it watching it. It's going to be a great war movie, but I'm just not going to like it. Exactly. That's I was how blown I away, and I loved it. That's how I felt. I don't think I've ever watched a movie with subtitles. I was going into that not expecting well, to actually, like it one bit. I watch every movie with subtitles because Riley can't hear. Okay. <laughs> Never actually watched an entire movie where I had to. Maybe like Spirited Away. No. Um, Casa de Leblanco or whatever it's called. Casa de mi padre. <laughs> Casa de mi padre. Terrible movie. <laughs> I, did watch, I did watch that. That's fair. <laughs> Um, this is like the first foreign film I've actually like sat down and thoroughly, like thoroughly watched. Yeah. Um, and I was blown away by it too. These are two movies that a year ago I would not watch. I'm like, don't fucking show me this. I'm not going to watch this. I know you got a little bit artsy, artsy kick. And it's, it's, it's good kick because turns out good movies are critically acclaimed. (laughs) Um, so it's tough for me, man. Because, again, I loved Parasite, and I, I've only seen both of these movies once. 1917 is the more recent one that I've seen. I think Parasite has a lot more underlying value to it. Yeah. The imagery and what underlying things this means and, you know, the underlying Parasite, how the family, you know, 
comes in. Like the title is very you you can watch the movie and like you said, like I don't know what Parasite meant. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff going on and the commentary yeah. on social class and wealthy versus poor and nineteen seventeen is much more straightforward. And that's yeah. not a flaw. Yeah. It is an emotional, very, very, sh- like, it's not this fucking giant war movie where you're over here, you're in this country, you're in this. It's two guys. It's one guy. One trip. They aren't war heroes or anything. Yeah. Delivering, delivering a message. Yeah. It's not over-grandized or anything. Um, maybe a reason I didn't like Paris, not didn't like, I don't want to say that, didn't like it as much as I thought I was going to like it. I wasn't sure if we were supposed to like the family. Because I thought they were assholes. Like, they freaking... And I think that's part of it, too, is there's no good guy or bad guy. They freaking... And I think maybe that took away some of the social commentary for me. It's like, dude, they literally, like, poisoned that freaking poor housekeeper. You know what I mean? Like, and then framed her to have tuberculosis. Yes, they did. And it was, you know, and it was just... I don't know. It was kind of like, oh, the housemate has tuberculosis. I'm going to listen to the new driver I just hired that says I that says he overheard her saying she had tuberculosis. And, yeah, they did the whole thing, coughing up blood and everything. And I guess, you know, they did. I don't know. I just felt like. I think they did enough to make that believable. And I think the entire time, too, you're supposed to believe the mom's kind of stupid. Yeah. And she's very gullible. Yeah. Um, And then, too, I think it does hurt just coming from a different society than this movie takes place in. Um, capitalism and just the life I've been lucky to live is much different than, you know, yeah, there's, there's different classes in America. You know, you have your very low, you know, poor class and you have the rich and the rich, but I would say, you know, most of America's middle class or at least low upper lower class and the poorest Americans are still much richer than the poorest, you know, people in these Asian countries. And so maybe some of that just didn't connect as well. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Um, Just touching on that, like going back to what you said though, like, I think one of the things that really worked for this movie is that family was kind of an asshole, but to the point where someone who steals food for their family is still a criminal, but you feel for them. Yeah. There's a reason they're doing something bad. Yeah. And they very much, they did a bad thing to the previous house owner, but it was because they were struggling and they needed it Yeah, type thing. You know, they did a bad thing for what they felt was a good cause. Yeah. Um, Opposed to that, the rich family is, you know, they're shitting on this the poor family and talking shit about the dude. And and that's another thing. I didn't hate the rich family as much as I feel like I was supposed to. Well, no, I think that's part of the movie is you're not supposed to love either one. You're not supposed to hate either one. It's very realistic where the world isn't black and white and there's a good guy, bad guy. It's sometimes you're rich. Sometimes you're poor. The rich people did bad things unintentionally. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they talk shit about them and everything, but it was kind of just like, this is our life. This is what we're used to. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's very like the going back to the scene with the rain. It was like they thought that was good. They don't fucking know what else is going on. That's yeah. just how they live. And they're not a bad person for that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it makes the the poor family resent them. Yeah. And so I think that was kind of one of the things working for it. 1917, there's very few bad guys in the movie. No. Yeah. It's, I wouldn't know. I don't know if there is a bad guy. I think just Germany is yeah, the bad it's guy. Yeah, the other people. <laughs> um, you know, he gets the guy in the plane, kills the guy. Yeah. And then you have the, um, like city burning down, and you see a couple of people there. Most part, it's just this guy trying to fucking beat the clock. Yeah, I was blown away by the river scene when he's floating over all the dead bodies. Just that entire thing where he falls off the waterfall. Yeah, 
And, like, the way they made that one shot with the water flowing and everything yeah. and, like, him fucking damn near drowning. Yeah. It's not like they used a stunt double. You could see him. That was gross, too, how they did the dead bodies and everything. Very, uh, I don't, I don't want to say graphic because they didn't go overly graphic, but, like, realistically, there was a few scenes where they're climbing over dead bodies. And then that one scene in the river, though, they're, like, literally white, like, you know, because yeah. they've been there for a while and they're all piled up in this dam, like, and he has to climb over the dead bodies. I want to say he throws up afterwards. Yeah, and then um, even early on where he cuts his hand on the barbed wire and then goes into, like, the crater and fucking sticks his hand into a dead body. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Those hands bleeding. I was like, oh, my God, that's so disgusting. <laughs> and that shit they just had to deal with then. Like, I feel like it's a very realistic yeah. thing of what war was like. Um, Just incredible shit. I still don't have a vote, though. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think my vote is narrowly 1917. And it's just weird. I, I just have weird feelings about Parasite, okay? That's the thing, dude. I didn't sleep after watching Parasite. Not that I was sad. I'm not that, like, I, I don't feel that way. That's the thing. And so, again, there was a disconnect. For me, it wasn't that I was sad. It wasn't that I was, like, fucking Avengers hyped up. Yeah. I just, my brain was just going. Yeah. I don't know. It's, like, I don't have that connection. But I can't, like, you know, I've I said some little things that I, you know, noticed throughout the movie. But besides those little things, like, there's nothing in the movie I can over, like, there wasn't bad acting. There wasn't bad film. Like, they didn't do anything bad. Like, they did everything right. I just think it was something about, I think knowing that there was something in the basement honestly ruined my, my um, experience with the movie. And I was just unknowingly getting spoilers from Twitter. Yeah. So. I think that's fair. I think it is one of the best original plots I've ever seen yeah. in a movie. In terms of the family taking over and then the entire second half. Yeah. Like the way it's written in actual story, it's one of the best stories I've ever seen. Yeah. It's um, it's kind of like a like almost like a horror movie kind of plot but based in reality. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, it won the award for original score play. Or yeah. score screen, screen. screenplay. <laughs> um I think you said yours is narrowly 1917 yeah i'm okay with that really i I very much enjoyed parasite watching it but i watched 1917 yesterday and was blown away by it see i almost feel bad like parasite losing because like i said they didn't do anything wrong they did everything right like there was nothing in it that made me think it was like a bad movie it's just so Parasite, incredible film. Yeah. Incredible story. Good acting. Yeah. Very believable. 1917 was a very grounded, good, realistic story. Yeah. Great acting and incredible cinematography. Yeah. That made the story unlike, I mean, again, I watched Birdman a few days before this. This movie felt unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah. And that's after watching a movie that attempted to do the same thing. Yeah. And they did, they took kind of like a simple war narrative, you know, that, if they do this movie wrong, it's just another boring war movie. Yeah, I mean, like the trench scene, dude, where it's literally he's going to get his orders. Yeah. There's no anticipation. There, You don't know what the fuck they're going to. Yeah. You could care less. But the way it's shot, the way that's just all the chaos in the trenches Frantic of war. And, yeah. The way the score works with it and builds up that anxiety and it, it just makes the most small, minuscule scenes incredible. Yeah. Um, The shot where the first wave of soldier takes off right as he's about to give the scene and he climbs out of the trench and starts running while everyone's running. Oh yeah. Yeah. Incredible scene. It's all blowing up and stuff. Shit and going on behind it. him. Yeah. And he's like running into people falling down, gets up and sprints like 
that was fucking incredible. Yeah. An incredible shot. Um, it's just, it, Parasite for me is one of the best stories I've ever watched. 1917 was one of the most unique, incredible movies I've ever watched. Yeah. So I'm, again, very, very close. Yeah. It's, like I said, I kind of feel bad, but. For you, it's nearly 1917. For me, it's like 0.001%, maybe Parasite, but I love both of these movies and I'm, I'm, I'm fine with either one moving on. It's it's a weird relationship I have with Parasite. Talking about it more has made me appreciate it more, but I still don't. I don't know. I just don't love it. This is why you that needed, makes sense. This is why you needed to. But I don't love. I don't even if I slept on it, I wouldn't love. You know, I mean, just I can in- appreciate the movie for how it's made and what it is, but like, you know, I don't. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I'm not gonna love it. I'm not. I don't know. That's fine. Because a big hin- a big part about this movie is the first time you watch it, that big surprise about the the guy living under the basement. Absolutely. You're not going to get that. Which sucks for anyone who hasn't seen it and is listening to this pod. We said spoiler alerts. <laughs> um, you're not going to get that same feeling the second time you watch it. No. You're not, you know, 1917, you probably won't get the same suspense. Maybe you will. I, I, don't, I doubt it. Um, I mean, in terms of maybe the death scene and the ending, you know he's going to meet the goal, but... I think a lot of those scenes are shot to where you're still going to feel the same way yeah. you're watching it. All right. Well, 1917 moves on. We got two left, Jay. I'm going to make this quick and sweet for you, Ty, and I'll let you elaborate on the movies. 1917 and Parasite was pretty much my final, I would say. I would say... I'm just going to say 1917 and Parasite was pretty much my final, and if 1917 beat Parasite, then it's going to beat The Martian. I would, uh, well, I have taken Wolf of Wall Street over The Martian. Yeah. And I would take, I took Parasite over Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Took 1917 over Parasite. Yeah. The Martian is a great film. Mm-hmm. Great story, great science, and make you feel stupid in the best way. Mm-hmm. 1917, something else. Parasite and 1917 and Wolf of Wall Street were my final three. Those are the toughest choices for me. Oh, yeah. My yeah, nineteen seventeen, Parasite Wolf Wall Street, top three, Martian would be fourth, sneaking into the final four. They're the even though they're the third seed in our bracket, they're like the tenth seed in March Madness, the feel good story that's like, Oh, they got to the final four, but then everyone knows, you know, it's probably gonna get creamed on. Yeah. That's how I feel about the Martian. I agree with that. So we have a winner. That's nineteen seventeen. Which that's shocking to me. If I would have done this bracket by myself, I think my winner would have been Wolf of Wall Street. I really do. Which, I mean, it's a goddamn good movie. It's close. It's like 1917. I don't want to... I, I don't know the grades, but let's just say 97 is 1917. 96, Parasite. Or I'd probably say 97.5, Wolf of Wall Street. 97, 1917. 96.5, Parasite. Great fucking movies. But together, we determined that 1917 is the winner. This is, this is a two-man bracket. So that gives us our final four, Tyler. If the people listen this far, then they've already listened to the first four rounds. So we have 1917 as the fifth seed, coming up against Wally as the tenth seed animated, even though they're technically not going up against each other. Anchorman, 14th seeded best comedy of all time, versus the 14th seeded best superhero movie of all time, Infinity War. Four movie scales coming at you. I think that's going to be the whole podcast because it's going to take a while. Um, I mean, we did a lot of talking about this, but I think, yeah, we do the full movie breakdown and whatnot. Be some good re, conversations. We're re-watching we each movie. 
You don't have to rewatch. Yeah, I'm not, not going to watch 1917 again because I just That's watched fine. it. That's... But we got some movies to watch. That means I have to rewatch it. I hate rewatching movies. Um, Deal with it. No, I'm going to love rewatching these movies because they're the four greatest movies. They're top top notch. Which I one w- am I looking the most forward to rewatching? I'd probably say Infinity War, if I'm being honest. <laughs> it's a fucking great film. I've only seen it once since it's been out of theaters. I have no problem rewatching because I've seen it. I mean, I'm legitimately probably coming up to close to 100 times. <laughs> Jesus It's Christ. just every time I don't know what to watch, I throw it on. <laughs> I've seen that movie so many fucking times. Where rewatching it is it's useless for me, but I'll do it. Wally's a good rewatchable. I haven't seen that in like three years. I would agree with that. I haven't seen that in a minute. And Anchorman, Anchorman always plays. You haven't seen it since high school. What are you talking about? It always plays, though. No, I mean it always, meaning it always. You never play it, even though no. it always plays. Meaning it always plays, meaning like it's always good. Like no matter how many times you see it. That's what I mean by it, it always plays. Yes, it does. Great, great matchups here. I think there I'm is an excited. underdog. Really? What do you think the underdog is? Wally? I think Wally's the underdog. I think we've shown a lot of left turns, Anchorman. We've, we've done, we've a, done a bracket and an Infinity War bracket. And review. I'm pretty sure I've done review, a. Not bracket. Oh. I'm pretty sure I've done a 1917 review. We have not done an Infinity War review. Infinity War? Yeah, we have. No, we haven't. Are you sure? 99% sure. Oh, yeah. We didn't have our patent pending movie scale yet. 1917. You've done yours. I have yeah. not done mine. We'll see how it changes. Wally, we definitely haven't done. So This is going to be good. This is going to be fun. To wrap up the episode, though, Ty. I got the Ooh. first trivia time with Tyler in quite some time. Do you need a cut? You good? I'm good. It's a pretty short one. Me and Ty, we talked about this a few weeks ago. I think I brought it back up last week. Um, It's weird players that got MVP votes in a particular year. And the reason this stemmed is because I was looking at the 2019 NL MVP votes. And I saw that Kevin Pillar got an MVP vote, which was just very strange. Really fucking weird. Someone thought he was a top 10 player. Well, it's top whatever player. 22. No, they thought he was a top 10 player. Because they only get one through ten. Oh yeah, yeah. Someone, so one person someone, voted him the tenth person. best player, and I think you can look at who votes for him. I'm not going to do that for every year because that's just a lot of work. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the guy from San Francisco. Because the way MVP voting works for those that don't know is, it's two reporters in every single city with an MLB team. So 60 total. like newspaper reporters, or in like the case of like, is, wanna, it, is it per team or does like New York only have two? I think. Oh, that's a good question, Ty. I don't know. I'm going to look it up. Voters, MVP, MLB. Um, I'm not sure, Ty. Stumped you. You did. You, you stumped me. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't really fucking matter at the end of the day. Um, it's just people who report on teams. Two writers from each MLB city are recommended by the local chapter chairman, the chapter of the Baseball Writers Association of America. And approved by the National Security Treasurer for a vote for award. Riders for NL Cities vote for NL awards. Riders from AL Cities vote for AL awards. Marking 30 voters for each award. So it would be two per team. Yeah, because there's two NL, two AL yeah, there's in no, New York. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it is two per team. All right. Glad we figured that out. Do you want to start with the most recent or the farthest? Let's do... Uh... Let's do farthest back, and then we'll work up towards the most recent okay. outrageous. And I said there were some stakes in this tie. 
What are my stakes, Jason? I have a feeling I know where this is headed. You know exactly what the stakes are because you already guessed it. I got a $10 PlayStation card. (laughs) Those are not what I had. That was a joke. I thought it was something else. No, that is the stakes, Ty. Okay. You got $10 to buy whatever you want on PlayStation Network. But we know it's going to be stubs. It's absolutely going to be stubs. Get yourself. It's only like 11K. It's not going to get you a lot. It'll work. Got it with, you know, got a digital maybe code. Maybe I can maybe use that 11K collection and get a diamond. I haven't bought it yet, but the idea was I was going to buy it before you do it, before we do this. And if you don't win, I'm just going to keep the stubs. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. So. You beat me, technically. So, <laughs> you stumped me. <laughs> all right. So, we're going all the way back to 2014, Ty. I don't even remember those times. 2014. I'm were, gonna... we, were we allowed to go to the movie theaters then? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm going to give you the team they played for as well. I'm not going to give you the team's record. I'm not going to stop you from looking it up, though. If that helps. you know. I'm not going to do narratives. No, this, is, this is all brain. So 2014, we have three sluggers. Yeah, three options. One of them got a vote. Two did not. One of them got at least one vote. Some, in some cases, they got multiple votes, which was very surprising. Or they got one vote, but they got voted like seventh place or something, so they got more points, whatever the case is. I yep. don't know. So three three players here, Ty. One of them got an MVP vote in 2014. Okay. And you're going to tell me the stats, correct? Of course. First up, and uh, the war is of fan graphs. Thank you. Needed that. First up, actually, hold on. I got to look up what team this guy played for in, the, in 2014. <laughs> oh, so he's been around. Some are saying team whore. Yeah, he is a team whore. Actually, not really. Oh, duh. All right. First up, we have Todd Frazier from the Cincinnati Reds. And I want to say, was this the year that he won the home run derby? I believe so. Or was it 2013? I think it was 14 because I think that was a good year for the Angels and Pujols was in the home run derby. It was 2013. Oh. 2014 was Cespedes winning in target field actually i don't know if cespedes won but it was at target field because the one where frazier won it was at cincinnati yeah anyways cincinnati reds todd frazier batted 273 with a 336 on base percentage 459 on slugging percentage i didn't give you the ops i just gave you the slash line you might have to do some math in your head can i get those back 273 batting average 336 on base 459 slugging 4.5 Fangraphs war. Okay. He hit 29 home runs and drove in 80 RBIs. It's underwhelming. Next up, Matt Kemp hmm. for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Hit 287, 14 points better than Frazier. Hit 346, or on base 346, 10 points higher than Frazier. 506 slugging, which is 40-something points higher than Frazier. It's about an 852 OPS. 2.5 war. Ooh, bad defense. 25 home runs, 89 RBIs. This is on the downhill trend after he was uh Yeah, this stopped. is like his last decent year in L.A. before his uh, comeback year, 2018. Third and finally, we have Lucas Duda. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to say his name like that for now. Lucas Duda from the New York Mets batted 253. 349 on base. So he had a, the lowest batting average, 349 on base, had the highest on base, three points higher than Kemp. 481 slugging in between Frazier and Kemp, almost right in the middle. 
3.1 war. Again, pretty close to being in the middle. 30 dingers, 92 rabies. Tyler, let's get your thought process. Who's got the MVP vote? All right. Todd Frazier was really good the year before. Yes. Um, although I've never understood the hype around him. Matt Kemp. He won a home run derby. Sorry about that, listeners. I think you heard that. He won a home run derby in his home city. That's the hype around him. Yes. Matt Kemp was a was a should have been an MVP. Yeah, he was. Um, had a couple of star years, but he was on downhill climb climb there. So I could see maybe someone still flashback Kemp voting for him. Okay. Um, thought process here: Lucas Duda, you said had over ninety RBIs, thirty home runs. He had thirty home runs, ninety two ribbies. So, so most home runs and RBIs, lowest batting average, best on base, best on base, middle. Middle slugging, middle war. And I think his on bit, his OPS ended up being like in the middle too. Yeah, it definitely did. So best on base, most home runs, most RBIs. Yes. I'm going to go with Duda. Lucas Duda is correct, Tyler. Let's go. One for one. He's got to get three out of five, by the way, to uh, win the gift card. Lucas Duda got uh, three MVP votes that year for the National League. I don't know if it was one person voting him seventh place or if it was... I don't know what it was. Those are not MVP numbers. Let me be very clear with that. Ahead of some big names um, of Freddie Freeman. Oof. Who had That's a lower be, war. early in Freddie Freeman's career. Yeah. Lower in war. Uh, Justin Morneau. D. Gordon. And Troy Tulowitzki, who had a 5.8 war in only 91 games. Damn. Had a 1.035 OPS. Tyler, bonus points. Can you tell me the NL MVP in 2014? 2014 NL MVP. I have no clue. I don't. Clayton Kershaw. That sounds about right. Todd Frazier never got an MVP vote. Who's top three? Who'd Kershaw beat out in terms of John Carlos Stanton and Andrew McCutcheon? Was he Mike Stanton at that time? No. When did he switch? Long time ago, like 2010. Okay. 2014 is a long time ago. Let's (laughs) just be clear about that. Next up, Ty, we have 2015. We have three catchers. Oh. Now, I'm going to be honest. It was hard to find, you know, catchers that were similar. So two of these are in the American League. One of these is in the National League. Only one got the MVP vote. Okay. Either for the American or National League. And I will tell you what league they were in. I mean, first of all, oh, yeah, I'll tell you what team. First of all, <laughs> we have Brian McCann with the New York Yankees. Okay. I know he had a good year with them. Hit 232 with a 320 on base, 437 slugging, so a 757 OPS. I thought he did better with them. A 2.8 war, 28 home runs, 94 RBIs. Okay. Pretty decent power numbers for a catcher. Uh, That's in in the Yankee right field, though. That's true. (laughs) He's left-handed. Yes. Steven Voigt from, I believe, yes, the Oakland Athletics. Let me double-check that. Yeah, because he's with the Giants now. Yeah, the Oakland Athletics. That was correct. I said I was going off brain power here. I'm not going off brain power. I'm just looking up team records. Oakland Athletics. He hit 261 with a 341 on base, 443 slugging. So he had a 784 OPS, 1.8 war, so one point lower than Brian McCann, 18 home runs, 71 ribbies. Okay. This is 2015? 2015. Next up, from the National League, we have Derek Norris of the San Diego Padres. I remember Derek Norris. I used to always get him and Bud Norris confused. (laughs) 
I agree. One's a pitcher, one's a catcher. <laughs> I've been there. Derek Norris was an all-star with the Oakland Athletics in 2014. He had a he had a, a quick prime and then has not played since 2017. But in 2015, he, hit, was, he was good for a little while. Hit 250 with a 305 on base. So he's got the lowest on base, but middle batting average. 404 slugging, so the worst slugging. He's got about a, 309, a 709 OPS. 3.8 war, the highest war of the bunch. 14 home runs, 4 less than vote. 62 RBIs, 9 less than vote. So hmm. Norris has the highest war. McCann has the highest power numbers. But Voigt has the best slash line. So my thought process here is, and I mean, I could be wrong. It's not McCann. Because okay. on the Yankees, there's other star players for the Yankees where if they're going to give votes to random players, they give it to someone else on the Yankees. Okay. Um, oh, God, that was loud. Sorry. The Athletics only won 68 games in 2015. I didn't even realize this. Stephen Voigt and Derek Norris, they were uh, platooning the year before with each other. Oh, go on. One of them gets an MVP vote. I didn't even realize that. I think, didn't they both make the All-Star game? Yeah, they, wait, no, no, Norris made the All-Star game 2014. Never mind. I thought they both made the All-Star game in 2014 as platoon platoons. Yeah. That would have been weird. Yeah, I know. Um, Padres were also bad. Yes, they were. Only won 74 games. Like, is that any, that's, that's just the status of their franchise. <laughs> that's fair. Um, I'm going to go with the one National League one here. Derek Norris? I'm going to go Derek Norris. Incorrect. God damn it. Brian McCann. I, uh, fucking, I guess. I don't understand the thought process. Brian he wasn't McCann. good. 28 people got a vote that year in the American League. He finished. He had two two points. So I don't know if two people ninth. voted him. Huh? Either he was ninth place finish or two or people two voted 10. Top 10. Came ahead of the likes of Michael Brantley, higher war. Wade Davis, closer. Year he had a 0.94 ERA, higher war. Brian Dozier, same war. David Ortiz, higher war. Alex Rodriguez, higher war. Mark Teixeira, higher war. He came in front of Alex Rodriguez. In a year where A-Rod hit 33 home runs. On the Yankees. Yes. Which means whoever voted for Brian McCann thought he was more valuable than Alex Rodriguez on the Yankees. Or one more person thought that Brian McCann was more valuable. That is insane. Yeah, pretty insane, right? This is weird people to get MVP votes. All right. Another weird one from this year that I might have put on here if I would have seen, Jason Kipnis. He had a short prime. If you would have put him on there, I would have voted for him. How about this? This one, shout out to Miko, Kevin Kiermeyer. Oh. Got an MVP vote that year. He hates him, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he actually had a really good year that year. I could see why. Elite elite defense with a 300. Oh, no, he, that was his on base. Never mind. Not that good of a year. I mean, hopefully this doesn't come up, but I know Anderson Simmons got a couple MVP votes not too long No, ago. I did not include him because I knew you would know that. Yep. Because <laughs> he finished like eighth. It wasn't like yeah, he, finished, no, yeah, got he one actually vote. was top ten. Twenty because he had elite defense and pretty good hitting. 2016 tie. We have three just great sluggers. Mm. Love me some power. From the American League. Just bona fide, low batting average sluggers. Love it. 16? 2016. First up is former Angel Mark Trumbo. Oh, he bombed with the fucking Baltimore Orioles. I think this was his best year. 256 like batting good, average. Like good bombed. Not like like dumpster fire bombed. Well, now that's the current status of his career. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think he was he had like one good year with the Angels, maybe two. He would have good halves. I think he made an all-star like team with us. Yeah. And then just be shit the entire well, second Well, that's half. his career. Then he went to the Diamondbacks. I think he was good the first year. It's like, oh, this trade was worth it. Then he fell off a cliff. Then he went to the Orioles. It's like, oh, this is worth it. He's great. And then he fell off. This year he was still great. 256, 316 on base, 533 slugging, 2.2 war, 47 home runs, mm. 108 RBIs. Mm. These are in order of home runs, by the way. That's how I sorted these 45 ones. and 108. 47. 47. Well, over 45, over yeah. 100. Next up, second most home runs on this list, Chris Davis. Mr. 247. Hit 247 Incredible. four years in a row. Absolutely fucking insane. Hit 247. 307 on base. Nine points lower than Trumbo. 524 slugging. Nine points lower than Trumbo. 2.4 war. Two points higher than Trumbo. Oh. Slightly better bad fielder. <laughs> <laughs> 42 home runs. 102 RBIs. So five fewer home runs, six fewer RBIs. Played for the Oakland Athletics. Yes. Not, not to be confused with the Chris Davis on the Orioles, who was a teammate of Mark Trumbo at the time. Oh, yes, that's right. He was uh, he got a few MVP votes. I think he might have got one this year, but he had a few years there where he was like insane, so I, he was an obvious one. That's not like yeah. a surprise one. Well, I think he led the league in home runs like a year or two. Yeah. He had like that insane start where he hit like 20 or something and fucking, yeah. <laughs> Next up. Edwin Encarnacion tie. That year, can you tell me what team he played for? Is that going to be the Blue Jays? The Toronto Blue Jays, yes. He finished with 263 average, the highest of the bunch, seven points higher than Trump, so not significantly higher. 357 on base, highest of the bunch. 529 slugging, smack dab in the middle of Davis and Trumbo. 4.0 war, highest war. 42 dingers. 127 RBIs. Which slugger got the MVP vote that year? Okay, so we're going to go to standings here, Jason, and check out their teams. Athletics, 69 wins. Sorry again, listeners. <laughs> we're going to ignore Chris Davis for this. Okay. <laughs> we go, both the wildcard teams that year came from the American League East, and it was the Baltimore Orioles and the Toronto Blue Jays. I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> their records were both 89 and 73. I didn't even mean to do that. I don't know who got the home game. That I, it would go on division record, I guess. What year is this? Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. They were both eighty nine and seventy three in the same division. Both wild. Blue Jays teams. did. Blue Jays got the home game. So they probably had the better head to head record. I think that's what the tiebreaker is. Um, for this, I mean, part of me wants to give some love to Mark Trumbo for helping the Orioles make the playoffs, but I think this was an Adam Jones, Chris Davis carried team. Okay. Maybe like Nick Marquez still. Manny Machado. Manny Machado. <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> fucking forgot about him. I did forget about him. He finished, I think, fourth that year in MVP voting. Um, Fifth. I'm going to go with Encarnacion for the Blue Jays. I think he fucking raked, and he was a great, great piece with Jose Batista. And I think as the second wildcard team, even though they were the same record, they were the fucking home team. I don't even know what I'm saying. I think Encarnacion got some more love over Trumbo. You'd be correct, sir. Let's go. I thought maybe the Mark Trumbo coming out of nowhere narrative would sway you to vote him where Edwin Encarnacion was always like an established slugger. But no, you didn't even mention that. I don't know if you even thought about that. Oh, no. He's always been a slugger. I, yeah, but I don't know if you thought about that. I think the... he's like top. I think he was like top 10 in home runs last decade. Yeah. I think... So I, I thought maybe you thought that would hurt his votes. He got seven MVP votes this year. 2016. 2016, yeah. Yeah. That you were saying this year. Um, two Baltimore Orioles got MVP votes this year. It was only Machado who finished fifth, and Zach Britton who finished eleventh oh, when shit. he had his insane closing year. Sounds about right. 
I want to say that year he finished, yeah, fourth in Cy Young. Probably should have won. Um, got two more. Only got to get one right. Yep. 2017 tie. Here's a fun one. Oh, boy. Three relievers. <laughs> Wild. Just the fact that a Koji reliever. Uahara. <laughs> no, that'd be too obvious. Three <laughs> non-obvious relievers tied. 2017, we have Pat Nashek, Submariner. Mm. Loved him in LB07, the show, when he was on the Twins. He was like. I mean, he's always fun to pitch with. Yeah, nowadays he's old. 2017, he played on the Colorado Rockies and the Philadelphia Phillies. I believe he started on the Rockies and then got traded to the Phillies. He's been on the Phillies ever since, so yeah, that'd be the, the smart thing. He finished the year with a 1.59 ERA, 62 and one-third inning pitched. I was supposed to say the innings pitched first. 1.59 ERA, a 2.6 war, one save. That's not a closer. An MVP vote for a relief pitcher. Next up, we got Archie Bradley. Okay. From the Arizona Diamondbacks. 73 innings pitched. 11, 10 and two-thirds more than Nashek. 1.73 ERA. A 2.0 war. One safe. Who's who's that closer? Fernando Rodney, who's number three on this oh list. God. <laughs> 55.1 innings pitched. A much higher 4.32 ERA. 1.3 war, but he had 39 saves. They were both Diamondbacks that year, right? Yes. Fernando Rodney's a fucking team whore. Yeah, he is. That dude has played for everyone. Yeah, he has. I, did you know, fun fact, I was at the game where Trout shot the arrow. Pools. Yeah. That's fucking great. I was at that game. Those are great. Love those videos. Yeah, because that game I saw uh, Jason Grilly pitch, our boy. Ooh. Good when geez. he was on your guys' team. Fuck yeah. Dude, that's a podcast. We need to try to get Jason Grilly on the team. It'd be fantastic. Or on the on the team, on the, on the podcast. Be He's, like, hey, do you remember 2014? You probably on the Pirates. Yeah, you probably interacted with like hundreds of fans. But do you remember us? We got you a dog, Dodger dog. Yeah. <laughs> he was also a team whore. He played on, um, wow. Oh, no, this is Fernando Rodney. Fernando Rodney. <laughs> Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven teams. Name them out. Okay, well, first question. Can you name the, there's only one team he's played for for more than two years. And it was the first team of his career. Mariners? The Detroit Tigers. <laughs> really? Seven years with the Tigers, and then since then, he just did not commit to anyone. Two years with the Rays, two years with the A's, two years with the Angels, two years with the Mariners, one year with the Twins, one year with the Diamondbacks, one year with the Padres, one year with the Nationals, one year with the Cubs, one year with the, the Marlins. So Some he, of those are split years, too. Two years with us, and then two with the Mariners, which means the bow and arrow thing happened right after he was on our team? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. They clearly did not get on. 2012, he had a 0.60 ERA with the freaking uh with the Rays. That's why. That was probably prime prime Rodney was on the Rays. So, you gave me Fernando Rodney on the Diamondbacks, Archie Bradley who was much better but was not the closer. Did not get the On saves. the Diamondbacks. Yep. And then Pat Nashek who split between AL and NL. No, both and NL. Rockies, Phillies. Rockies, Phillies. Okay. Yeah. That helps. Yeah. Started I wouldn't Rockies. Be, come on. Started Rockies, ended Phillies? I believe so, because he's still in the Phillies. Again, all three of these teams, well, it's only two teams, if we ignore the Phillies, uh, both wildcard teams. Well, they're the same team, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? No, I'm saying 
Oh, Rockies and Diamondbacks. I thought you were talking about Archie Bradley and Anna Rodney, like two wildcard teams. Like, no, it's the same team. And ignoring the Phillies, the trade to the Phillies. Yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah. It's hard for me to see a writer giving some love to someone who's been traded. Okay. Because then he's only split cities. Okay. Um, Your brain wants to go to the closer. Okay. But I feel like you're fucking with me here. So. I just don't like Fernando Rodney, so I'm going to go Archie Bradley. You are correct, Ty. Let's go. <laughs> Archie Bradley got an That's MVP vote in 2017. Can you believe that? I mean, he was fucking lights out. But an MVP vote? No, Nashek had the better for numbers. A non-closer. Nashek had the better numbers. Uh, maybe splitting cities hurt him. So I'm even think about splitting that. Splitting cities, you get you know because it is one two writers per city. Um, you split time like that, and you're a relief pitcher. No one's gonna give you fucking MVP love. That's gonna be tough. I guarantee Archie Bradley's one vote was probably uh, Arizona Diamondbacks writer. 100. percent But let's just—he got the same MVP votes as Zach Greinke, who had a 6.1 WAR, <laughs> uh, 320 ERA. So was he with that team or that year? The Diamondbacks. Oh my god. Um, and that was, and also Ryan Zimmerman, who also got one vote. Um, but yeah, Archie Bradley got a vote for 10th place MVP. Wild. Let's see. Let's see if I can just flex my brain here and get a fourth one. All right, Ty. Twenty eighteen. Let's go back to twenty eighteen on my little sheet. All right, three outfielders, Ty. Okay. One of them, you have a, a special place in your heart for. Who's that outfielder with a special place in your heart? Justin Upton. Okay. Justin Upton, twenty eighteen, <laughs> with the Angels. Entire year with the Angels? Yeah, he got traded to you guys 2017. Okay. Hit 257 with a 344 on base, 463 slugging. So that's like a 807 OPS. It's respectable. It's not top of the 808. league. 808. 808 OPS, 3.1 war, 30 home runs, 85 RBIs. Okay. Next up. We have a switch hitting outfielder by the name of Aaron Hicks with the okay. New York Yankees. Hit 248, nine points lower than Upton. Had an on base of 366, 22 points higher than Upton. And a 467 slugging, four points higher than Upton. So he had a uh, 833 OPS. Okay. 5.0 war, higher than Upton. Three home runs less with 27, six RBIs left with 79. On a hundred win Yankee team. Next up, we have an outfielder from the World Series winning winning Boston Red Sox, who had the MVP winner as well. But it's not Monkey Betts. Andrew Benatendi. Benatendi hit 290, significantly better than anyone else in the field. Same on base as Hicks, 366, two less slugging, 465. So Hicks had OPS better of point zero zero two. 4.4 war, but 16 home runs, but the most RBIs with 87. Okay. First of all, can you believe that only one of these players got an MVP vote? It's tough. <laughs> Three mean, solid seasons. Obviously, Upton should have been top five. <laughs> <laughs> um, Upton had the most home runs, second most RBIs. And it was coming off of 2017 or 16, he won a Silver Slugger, I want to say. 
So it was I think right 17. At, I think it was the year he got traded. Yeah, to I Vegas. think he fucking crushed with the Tigers and then did all right when he got traded to us. Yeah. Man, I got a pee. Sorry, I'm like bouncing around. <laughs> Red Sox and Yankees, both playoff teams. Yankees 100 wins, Red Sox 108. Mm-hmm. Voting takes place before the playoffs. Keep that in mind. Yep. Um. So Red Sox, J.D. Martinez. Yes. Chris Sale. Yes. Mookie Betts. Yes. Oh, my boy's correct. Lots of talent. Yes. Andrew Benintendi, I know, was like a Red Sox like fan favorite. Mm-hmm. So maybe the writers give him a little bit of love, but I think they had enough star power on that team to where the writers give uh, some of the other players that helped them get to 108 wins some love. Okay. The Yankees, 100-win team. 2018, they still had Aaron Judge. They also, yeah, they also got some uh, some big names. Stanton. Judge, Stanton. Sanchez. Sanchez. I'm not going to give you any names because I don't want to help you in any way, but. Who the fuck else they got in 18? Big names. Labor Torres. Oh, yeah. I don't know if he was in the league by that point, actually. Um, Chapman. Was yeah. he with them in 18? Yeah. He got traded to the Cubs 16 and the re-signed in 17. 17. And then we have Mr. Upton with the 80-win Angels. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. For me, I feel like you threw Upton in there. Trying to like reverse psychology, like, oh, he's not gonna pick Upton because like of course I would put Upton in there. But okay. I feel like that's like a reverse reverse psychology. <laughs> where you're like, I'm gonna throw him in here because he won't think it, but he will think it. <laughs> I've got lost in the reverse psychology. <laughs> um I don't think it's Andrew Benintendi. Even though they won hundred and eight wins, I've there's a lot of star power, but he is a fan favorite. Dustin Upton. Incorrect, Ty. <laughs> you fucked me with the reverse psychology. Who would your second pick be? I honestly don't know. I want to say Benintendi because he was a fan favorite and they had the more wins. Aaron Hicks had the better season, though. I'll go Benintendi. Aaron Hicks. That <laughs> <laughs> was fucking completely lost. That's all right. You already won the, the competition. Aaron Hicks got one MVP vote that year. Also with Trevor Bauer and Chris Sale. Get this. Four Red Sox got MVP votes that year, Ty. Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts. Oh, I didn't even fucking think of him. Chris Sale. Yankees. I believe four Yankees got MVP votes. Aaron Hicks, D.D. Gregorius, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge. So eight of the 22 people that got MVP votes came from either the Yankees or the Red Sox. Now look how bad the Red Sox were. That's funny. <laughs> I know. I don't know how they got bad so quick. Four MVP finalists in 2018, and then you're just fucking dumpster fire. All right, Ty. Also this. Can you guess over under three and a half MVP votes for Justin Upton? When? Just in his career. Over under three and a half. How many times has he got an MVP vote? I would say, I mean, now that you're bringing this up, probably under, but criminally underrated under. Over four. Okay. Finished 25th in 2009. Fourth, his best year in 2011. 17th in 2014 with the Braves. I didn't know he played on the Braves. He got four votes in. Oh, that's right. He did play the, in the Braves. Huh? He was fourth in MVP in what year? 2011. And he only got. 16th in 2017. Okay, but how many votes did he get in 11? Uh, let me tell you. You just said he had under four votes in his no, career. I, no, I'm four times getting a vote. Oh. That's where you fucked me. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Upton 
finished fourth. He had 48% of the share. He had one first place vote, got 214 points. Uh, Prince Fielder had 229 in Milwaukee, and that's the year Matt Kemp lost to Ryan Braun. That's fucking... How did... Oh, my God. 20 people voted for Braun. 10 people voted for Kemp. That doesn't make sense. Kemp had more runs, more hits, more home runs, more RBIs, more stolen bases, eight more walks. He had a eight points lower batting average, two points better on base, nine points low. So he had an eight-point lower OPS and a eight-point lower batting average. That's the only thing Braun beat him in. It's tough. But he had six more runs. He had eight more hits. He had six more home runs. He had 15 more RBIs. He had seven more stolen bases. He had 16 more walks. Oh, man. I will not let that die. You know someone I forgot about who actually had, like, a really good, like, was really good for a very short amount of time and then just kind of disappeared? Mike Napoli. It's very related to what we were just talking about. And I watched a game with him in it today. Yes. BJ Upton? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or... Or Melvin Upton Jr.? I'm fucking lost now. Hold on one second. What? I typed in BJ Upton, was looking at the stats, scrolled up, it was Melvin Upton. Yeah, it's the same person. Okay, that's what I thought. I was like, how the fuck did they get BJ out of Melvin? He was BJ and he changed his name to Melvin. This guy. Should have stayed BJ. Dude had a fucking 894 OPS in 2007. Yeah. With 22 stolen bases. And then 24 home runs. Straight down to 784, then 686, and he was a decent player. He's pretty fucking good. I was watching the I was watching the playoff 162 where Evan Longoria hit the walk off. Oh yeah, yeah. Where like the two wild card teams came back from like huge deficits. Yeah, yeah. And he was in that game, and I was like, I forgot about him. He was actually really good for a short <laughs> amount of time. I'll have to find those too. That'll be he, the next trivia time. He had 40 stolen bases the next three years, each year. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I mean. The next year, arguably better. 44 stolen bases, a 784 OPS still. Only nine home runs. No, I'd I'd definitely say 2007 was his better year. (laughs) Had a 300 batting average with 24 home runs, 82 RBIs. Didn't have the stolen bases. I mean, he had basically the exact same on-base percentage. But yeah, had way less home runs, but way more stolen bases. It's because he hit more home runs. (laughs) Wild. All right, Ty. Well, that's trivia time with Tyler. Congrats on your ten ten dollar. Um, ah, <sighs> thank you, Jay. Stubs. Have to do a pack opening. Maybe we maybe we do some squad builders for YouTube. Maybe, maybe. Do you know the rules of squad builder? Nope. I'll have to explain them to you then. That's fine. I was looking it up. Pretty sure you and Miko Miko just made them. Uh, well, we copied a FIFA YouTuber who does it. Doesn't remember how there's chemistry in FIFA. Yeah, we pretty much created chemistry. You have to follow in MLB. Oh, what is it? Uh. To link to a player, you have to either play in the same division, okay, the same state, okay, so like Dodgers Angels, or be born in the same state slash country. So, so if they're in the United it? States, it's born in the same <laughs> like, state. I can have a lot of United States players. If they're born in the United States, they have to be born in the same state. If they're foreign, they have to be born in the same country, and or at least say from on their one position to another. another. Yeah. So catcher links to first and third, who also link to short. And second, like this way. You yep. know what I mean? Yep, yep. And then second and short link to center. So it's like a triangle. And then left field and right field link to center. And then your starting pitchers. So you have five starting pitchers. One starting pitcher has to link. Every starting pitcher has to link to one specific infielder. So like you have to have a starting pitcher that links to the catcher. You have to have a starting pitcher that links to the first baseman, links to the second baseman, links to the shortstop. That way you can kind of get creative with it in other ways too. 
And then bullpen, we just always did silvers. And then however many uh, players you guessed, silver bullpen, silver bench, however many players you guessed on the other team, you get to put that many diamonds either in your bench or your bullpen. So if I guess three of your players, I could do two diamond bench player, two diamond bullpen players, one diamond bench player. And then if I get a player guessed, you replace it. I get to replace it with a common. And then once per squad builder, you get to put an out of position player. Doesn't count towards pitchers. Cause what do you mean out of position player? I could put a second baseman at catcher for you and screw you over. Oh, okay. Or my favorite was like putting like a left fielder with terrible fielding at first base and just have the first baseman drop the ball every play. <laughs> That's fun. Can't it sub them fun. out. You can't sub them. They have to play five full innings. So you could sub them out in the top of the sixth. Same with pitchers. This will be fun. And then added rule we added, if you're subbing them with a diamond, any player, even if it's someone that's on your team, like let's say I just go Tatis and then I want to put a diamond in in front of him, I can't sub that diamond in until the top of the seventh. Got to wait a little bit. Yeah, same with the relievers. You can only use the diamonds the last three innings that are in your bench or your bullpen. Silver starters or any starters? What do you mean? Like starters, you said because you said you can only use a diamond pitcher last three innings. No diamond. You can reliever. do diamond. You can do diamond starters. It's just you got to hope they. Well, don't get here's guessed. the thing: they didn't have it where you could uh, bring starting pitchers out of the bullpen last year, so that's not a wrinkle we have addressed yet. I think you just don't aren't allowed to do it. Yeah, probably. That's easy. Yeah, and then I don't know what we're gonna do about the pitcher selection because before you would just randomize. So if I guess two amigos pitchers, we would ho- I would hope the you game would have would... a forty percent chance of getting yeah. a common. Now we might just have to do like a random number generator, and you know what I mean, one through five. That's fine. So, yeah, that's our squad builder. Pretty creative, huh? Sounds great. Got to do it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right, I really have to pee. You got anything else? (laughs) I got nothing else. Be a good friend, everybody. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.